My name is Casey Snow, and I'm listening to the Top 5 Comics Podcast. Welcome to Top 5 Comics Podcast, people talking about comics, pop culture, and events. With us today, we have the master of disaster, Josh45. What is happening? And CBS. What's happening? I mean, that's kind of what I sound like. I whispered for you. Yeah, I heard it. I heard it. I think you need to be like, more like, and myself, CBS. Like game show style? Or, yeah, or like, you know, Oprah goes like, CBS, like something like that. Yeah, I mean, it's kind of game show style too. We should work on a couple different ways. I mean, maybe. Maybe next week. Maybe. Rob always had problems with that too when he was doing the intros. I always felt bad for him. Introducing himself? Yeah. It's definitely weird. He'd be like, and with Josh for Fumazessor and myself, CBS. See, that's pretty good. The Oprah intro. That sounds a little, I don't know if I like that. It's funny, though, because Oprah did it. I mean, that... And she's the most famous woman on the planet. Doesn't matter at all. If she does it, it must be good. That's not true. That's totally Or you could wrap it. CBS. No. No. We'll work on it. We'll work on it. Sure. Maybe we'll try a new one next week, and then we'll have people vote in like five weeks. I mean, we'll put up a poll with, on the instance. So you figure out how to do that, then I guess we'll see. We'll use push, oh yeah. We'll right, just push right, poll right, and then do it. <laughs> okay. Uh, see, so today we're doing episode number 145. Oh, geez. It's a round number. You know how I like those. It's not round though. It was like, like fives, like. Oh, fives. Okay. Zeros and fives, like. Yeah, yeah. I'm with you. It's not really round. Factors okay. of five. I'm a big fan of those. Sure. I mean, so is the show. Makes sense. I know. That's a big deal. I yeah. like it. All right. Uh, See, so today we're going to be doing issues number uh, 51 of Justice League from DC Comics. The uh, Yusagi Ojumbo Free Comic Day 2020 issue. And then uh, Broken Gargoyles. And this one is uh, from uh, Source Point Press. So kind of a new, I best I know, a new day game kind of company. And then uh, Inkblot from Image Comics. And we'll wrap it up with uh, Black Widow from Marvel Comics. Let's go on and start with a little bit of news. Uh, Josh, what do you know about the news? What's in the news? So Marvel's Avengers um, for PlayStation is the most downloaded beta ever. Oh, that's freaking crazy. It's a new game. With less than 48 hours to go until the release of Marvel's Avengers, the game has already broken a milestone. Square Enix, the developer behind the game, has revealed that the beta for Marvel's Avengers is the most downloaded PlayStation game ever. That's freaking crazy. Yeah. That's, uh, yeah, that's pretty impressive. It took place over three consecutive weekends and were available for PlayStation 4 as well as Xbox One. So, I'm sure they did well for Xbox One as well. I mean, I assume so. That's crazy. That's um, 27 million hours logged in gameplay. That's okay. In in three weekends, that's freaking crazy. Yeah, man, that's insane. That is, yeah, that's wow. That's yeah, that's crazy. Um, man, okay. Well, I'd sort of follow that up a little bit. Uh, Marvel's got themselves uh, a setup or a uh, crossover setup with Fortnite, um, of all things. Uh, so this week we saw the release of the uh, Fortnite exclusive comic book. Written by Donny Cates, art by Greg Land. Uh, it, this the book itself, I guess, explains the birth of this whole event, like how it became a thing, and like introduces the idea of how Thor and Galactus got to the Fortnite universe. 
Hmm. Um, the issue five of Wolverine that came out this weekend, or this week, sorry, weekend, yeah. this this week, has a page at the end which shows a rainbow-like crazy portal that Wolverine winds up going through, because Wolverine is also part of the whole event. So that's kind of crazy. Um, the name of the story was called uh, Nexus War. It is going to get released print-wise... Um, in the September issue of Fantastic Four. So this next, not the issue that came out this week, but uh, the one that comes out on the 30th. Uh, number 24 uh, Fantastic Four is going to be a backup story in there. It's only 10 pages long, so it's going to make that Fantastic Four issue a bigger issue. And it does have a whole lot of covers. Um, it's got four Alex Ross covers, one for each of the four members, a Fortnite variant cover, and then the normal cover. And I want to say there was two more in there that... We didn't buy enough copies to get, um, so that's crazy. Yeah, I, thought, I saw some other online, too. I don't know if it's for the same thing or not, though. Well, they're also doing a pile of other Fortnite variants as well. No, so a whole bunch of their books are getting like Fortnite-flavored covers as variant covers. But uh, the backup story, the 10-page thing, that's where they're printing it at, is that Fantastic 424. So if you're all Fortnite people and want to print a copy of that story, that's the place to get it. Um, as far as that's concerned, I guess they're saying it's regular continuity too, so how, whatever happens in this thing, I guess, is continuity to Marvel's universe, I guess. But, being I haven't read it, I don't have any idea how it fits or how it makes any sense yet, so there's that. Um, other Marvel stuff, I guess all I really have is Marvel stuff tonight. Uh, so, the, uh, upcoming issue number 850 of Amazing Spider-Man, that's the legacy numbers, He's going to show the return of the Green Goblin. Um, last time we really saw him yeah, was when... Like the Green Goblin Green Goblin? Yeah, Norman Osborn Green Goblin. Oh, sweet. So last time we saw him, he was actually connected to Carnage, and we had the whole... Uh, oh, gosh, was it... What was it? What do they call him? They call him the Red Goblin? No. No, no. That, it was Carnage was part of him. It was the, well, it was Carnage, the Red Goblin. Yeah, Carnage was connected to him. So this is after all that. So this is the first time since then we've seen regular Norman as the classic Green Goblin. Hmm. So that's kind of cool. Um, it's also being done as a bigger issue, too, so, I mean, there's that. But yeah, 850 is going to be the Return of the Green Goblin, story-wise. Um, something else over there? So not to change, to go back to the Fantastic Four thing, what's his last name? Scott, he, like, does the big spreads, he did all the, he did all the Thor, um, the whatever war for Thor, like the big Thor crossover that they just did. Oh, Arthur Adams? Arthur Adams, is he... He, he has a variant also, yes. Well, he posted a picture, but it was like four issues, but they're all... Like connecting could, covers? Yeah. I was going to say, 24, he's got a cover for... Is that is that part of the same... It's part of the same well, the same issue. I don't know the cover you're talking about I don't have a memory of. I know people are like, oh my gosh, like you don't know things, Josh? I don't. That's cool. Like I just, I, I follow certain artists and I know certain things and I kind of put them together like peanut butter and jelly sandwiches <laughs> or tuna fish and lamb. Like with CBS and the, the interwebs. So Right. But yeah, there's a... I want to say his cover, I think is actually a second print cover to be honest. Um, but yeah, one of the, he does have one of the covers for the Fantastic Four. And that's what I was talking about. Yeah. But yeah, he did a really big spread one that was connecting for Original Sin, and he's done a bunch of them, actually. The Original Sin one can almost be like a thing you would hang on the wall as a tapestry. It's crazy. It looks amazing. Yeah, it's awesome. And Original Sin's a little old now, story-wise, but yeah, if you haven't seen that image, yeah, just Google Arthur Adams' Original Sin, and it's, yeah, it's, it's awesome. Of course, he's an awesome artist, so that's, you know... Arthur Adams is just badass, that's all. 
He's awesome. Um, another piece of news. Well, I don't know. Yeah, it, it's, it's news, I guess. So Black Widow's got a new release date again. Um, they're saying November 6th now. So. Well, they're changing a lot of things. They changed, like, um, Snake Eyes to September 21st of right. 2021. Um, they're just, I mean, they gotta change stuff. They do. Um, sure. I know, I know Tenet came out. Tyler saw it the other night. I don't know. Have right. you seen it? Did you go see no, it? No, I haven't oh. seen it yet. By the way, he says you're going to hate it. So, I, I mean, it's a challenge, whatever. I haven't seen it. I don't know. I do but. I do like time traveling things, but, I mean, I do hate Interstellar, so. <laughs> it, this is <laughs> a whole, that. he says this is. That's funny. You, yeah, it's, it's. I mean, I guess, I guess we'll see. Uh, probably Monday, maybe. Um, I did see New Mutants over the weekend. Or the week. Yeah? How'd you like that? You know, the bear looks amazing. Um, that doesn't make a good movie, though. Half the actors are good, and the other half the actors are bad. So that makes it rough. Yeah. It's yeah, it's sad. Anyway. Yeah. <laughs> um, There's pieces that are really cool. Ileana is awesome. Like, the way all, all the stuff Magic does is really cool, but they connect her to Lockheed, which makes no sense at all. And even when you see Lockheed, Lockheed looks cool. But Lockheed was never her dragon in the comics, and that's really weird. In the comics. Now, if you're not a comic person, you probably won't even notice it all. You're just like, this lady's got a weird puppet thing. <laughs> but as as a comic person, I'm just like, you people are driving me nuts with this nonsense. Uh, I haven't seen it. It did get... It's All the reviews I've read just seem really horrible, so... Yeah, I mean, there's... Yeah, I mean, cast-wise, like I said, half the cast is great. The other half the cast is just... Eh. It's not. I mean, there's pieces that are really cool. But yeah, but that doesn't make a good film. No, I mean, if unfortunately, gonna, if they're gonna do something else with Ileana, I mean, that chick is cast cast perfect to be her, and she does a great job. The Russian and accent, so, and it's so old though great. too. That like all the all the actors are so much older now. Like, well, that's true. Which I mean, which changes a lot too. It's just I don't know. There's, there's a lot too. I haven't watched it, so I don't know. But right, but, it's supposed to come out five years ago. But yeah, I know all that really did is make the faces that are popular faces more popular. The faces that aren't, well, I mean, the reason you don't see them is because they're not great. Right. So, I mean, um, the guy playing Sam Guthrie, whose name I don't remember, is the kid from Stranger Things, or guy from Stranger Things, the older brother. He has the hillbilly accent the whole time, and it's annoying because it's supposed to be. It's great. Like, that's how Cannibal talks. So, like, the people that are awesome, you know their faces. The other people, well, there's a reason you don't know them. So there's that. The bear looks great, though. Whatever. Anyway. So, um, Greg Capullo has teased a composite Wonder Woman Batman for a future, I, we know, but I'm not going to say it, I don't want to spoil it, but a future for Dark Knight's death metal, a Batman Wonder Woman composite. Awesome. Which is neat, because they have not seen that one yet. Right. And lastly, but not least, if you, and if you want, if you're wondering why we're not doing a deeper dive today, um, we feel like it, we feel like it's going to do a little bit be- more justice to the, to the man. But, um, Chadwick Bosman passed away this last week and he did a lot of amazing things. He was, you know, obviously Black Panther and, and a lot of other stuff. He was a really, really cool actor. And, uh, he finally passed away from his battle with cancer. Right. And it's really sad and really, really a bummer, but we're going to do a deep dive on CBS and my other podcast, Never Been Done podcast that's coming out couple days after this one so if you guys want to go into that with us we're going to really dive deep into his filmography as weirdly as a director and an actor and just um everything else that he's done so rest in peace to him because 
You know, he really, as much as I'm not the biggest fan of the film, his portrayal of the character and everything that he did do, I really always loved. Oh, yeah. Um, I mean, my, my dislike of the film Black Panther had nothing to do with his portrayal of it and what he did and all the parts that he, you know, from Infinity, you know, from an Infinity. Civil War, yeah. From, Civil War to Infinity, from, that's the right way. Yeah, Civil War all the way to, it just, to Endgame, he, he just, he, you know, he portrayed a hero and, sure. uh, he did a lot of, of those things in real life. And like, even till his last days, he was going from cancer, going to cancer wards, like talking to little kids and like being a superhero to little kids, even when he was dying himself, right. which is insanely admirable. And I could never imagine how to deal with that. So rest in peace to him. And, uh, he has our, his family and everybody have our love and support. So. Yeah. hundred percent. Dude is awesome. Um, okay. So from onto it, onto, onto it. Sure. Just to let you know, there will be spoilers. Alright, so first book of the episode, or the show, or the night, depending on when you're listening to this, is going to be uh, Justice League, number 51. Uh, this is the uh, current Justice League series. Uh, the book is uh, written by Jeff Loveless, and the art on it is by uh, Robson Rocha. Uh, as far as series, I mean, Justice League's been pretty good. It's had a lot of crazy things happening through Scott Snyder's run all the way up to where we currently sit at. This particular book picks up after issue 50, which was a giant size issue, which at the end of the book left our would-be heroes or our heroes in space, um, returning home. Uh, so where this book picks up, we start with a flash of Batman sitting on top of a ledge with his mask off, which is kind of weird. But in full Batman costume, save for the headdress. And we have this monologue going on. And the monologue is like, do you remember the moment where you really truly became, became Batman? And then we see a flash of Wonder Woman, and we have a similar batch of monologue. And then we see Clark pulling open the, the shirt and showing the S underneath. And well, you, to me, you kind of gather in this book that you, it's like, I kind of felt like it was Batman talking to himself. That's what I gathered at first. So. It does, it does sound that way, yeah. You learn shortly afterwards that that's not the case, but yeah, it, it does sound like in her monologue for Batman, because the way that the questions are posed, or the way the words are posed, does that yeah, does sound like he's giving a monologue about everybody. Um, we turn from the first page to the next page, and it's a giant spread of all these crazy things, like the Anti-Monitor, Dark Side, uh, Brainiac, and Star Rose and and just all these things at the same time fighting the Justice League, a whole batch of Black Lanterns, and it talks about yeah, you saved the universe hundreds of times and had all these adventures and all these crazy things have happened, and but did you ever yourself ever feel like you reached the point where you were free? And we jump from the cool flashback scene to deep now to time being now in deep space. And we see the Justice League's uh, starship flying through space, and inside the cockpit we have you know, our main team, Batman, Green Lantern, John Stewart, Green Lantern, Flash, Wonder Woman, and Superman, and they're all f- they're all flying home to Earth. And of course we get some more monologue, which re-engineers the idea that it might be Batman. And from there we get a bunch of other cool, crazy flashbacks, like we get a flashback for the Flash, time where he's running on the treadmill and like running himself to death. And the Flash of Batman, we got shot by Darkseid's um, eye beams and initially died. Then we get a shot of Superman getting punched out by Doomsday, and it's like you, you've all died. You've died so many times, and it's like it's really cool. Like I don't know, a bunch of time flashes. It's it's pretty interesting, and like 
that leads forward to another batch of scenes where they come back. And so it shows Barry returning from the Speed Force and Batman putting the cow back on and Superman in full long hair, long hair like Death of Superman style. Not the black suit, on, although, but I mean, that's but it was post post death because he had long hair for a while, right? And uh, we cut from there to like a shot of Batman overseeing his city and Wonder Woman looking over the the island of Mascara and Superman looking over the Earth. Which is really pretty cool. I mean, art-wise, I mean, the book's awesome. And then it talks about other downfalls. Did you really save anybody? And it shows, like, the a ghostly figure of Alfred and, and Robin, Jason Todd Robin. And then Wonder Woman being affronted by different clans of warriors, men, and how she can't stop war because you can't stop war. Because that's what the world runs on. Sad days. And then we see Clark and like Clark, uh, looking at homelessness and even though he's Superman and there's all these things with his logo on it, what does his logo really mean? And we see these little cans and cups and like mugs and things. So even in the DC universe, Superman's iconic logo is a franchise piece that just sits in the world making money for other people or doing nothing. And, uh, it questions, have you really accomplished anything? And then all of a sudden, out of nowhere, Batman's like, hold on! And he yells, and all of a sudden, John, like, grabs the wheel for the, the ship and st- tries to stop. He's like, we're coming out of hyper jump right now. And we see Wally, and he's like, no, sorry, Barry. He goes, uh, we were going home to Earth, right? And we get this piece of monologue that makes me believe that we are not at Earth. 100%. I disagree, but anyway, they, to be fair, like we we had a long discussion before we started, and to be without diving way into this, <laughs> right? They never quite say they're not on Earth, but they never quite say that they are on Earth. So we're kind of there's there's defenses for both sides. But the good thing about this, it's a really awesome beginning of a story arc. So That's true. we're not sure where they're going. Anyway, proceed. Right. I'm going to leave with the idea that it's not Earth, but um, as a thing, we wind up getting all the justice. They look out the window, and we see this boneyard of ships and like floating bodies and a giant floating half carcass man or thing. I mean, you see the, the what look like ribs, but it's actually hoses. But it's like a giant being and all these other starships that are just what look to be grayed out wreckage-wise. And behind that, there's a planet. And uh, from there, the Justice League's like, well, we're, we're here now, so we gotta do something about it. So they bring the ship into orbit and we let the Flash out, and Motorman tells the Flash, run around, try to see if you can find anybody. And so she sends him off, and then uh, Clark and Bruce both head off to try to see what they can find. And as they're walking through all these crazy, like, tree vines everywhere, we wind up seeing other flashes of them and their memories. So we see shots of Clark walking through a crowd of people dressed as Clark instead of Superman. And then he's at the window with Lois, and it's quite, the voice is now questioning him, did you ever feel like you could tell them the truth? Did you ever feel like you'd be honest with yourself, be honest about yourself? And uh, then we cut from there to him looking at the Earth, and then the announcement where he reveals to the world who he, who that he is, Clark Kent. And it's like cuts from a scene of that to seeing that we are actually hearing everything from Batman's head. None of this is in anybody else's head; it's all in Batman's. So all the voiceover, all the monologues, have been coming from Batman's head. Because then it questions him, could you do the same thing he did? And it shows Superman pulling up the pulling up the shirt to show who he is to the world. And uh, from there, we cut to a scene where uh, Wonder Woman's like 
look, looking at Superman, she's like, Clark, do you hear any heartbeats? And he's like, um, well, yes, but they all seem to beat as one. And from there, we see the Flash run up on this tree with a bunch of bodies entangled inside of it, this red, crazy, viney thing. And he's like, oh, man, they're all part of this tree. The tree's part of the the people. The people are, like, merged with this thing. And so Superman starts using his, his uh, X-ray vision to see a bunch of other bodies in the trees around them. He's like, oh, I see it. This whole forest is full of bodies. And uh, John runs off to try to help the Flash. And, of course, Flash comes to one of the bodies and is like, can you hear me? Can, can you hear me? I'm here to help you. Everything's going to be okay. And uh, it, you can tell he's proceeding. He's, he's about to try to start helping these things that are connected to the tree. And then we cut to Superman and Batman. They're both like, hey, do you recognize this? And Superman's like, oh, yeah, I, I completely recognize these things. It's the Black Mercy. And now Black Mercy is this crazy plant that is a sentient plant that basically lets you, that controls your mind to feed off you. So we've seen him use on Mongol. We've seen Mongol try to use him. Um, the first time he showed up, we were talking about that earlier. Uh, it was back in like 85, I think. For the man who has everything written by Alan Moore, 1985 and Superman annual number 11. There you go. So that's the first time they ever showed up. And basically the plants feed on you and then show you a future or a life that is yeah, the perfect life for you. It's a magical plant, like organism, and uh, it, it it's a, parasi- a parasite and it attacks, its victim, attacks its victims and exhibits enjoyable hallucinogenic effects into the victim's minds. So, but a so, weird thing is, little side note, it's been adapted to TV twice. Um, first in the animated TV series Justice League Limited. And the more loosely based for the girl who has everything, the episode of a live action Supergirl TV show. Right. So I didn't, I didn't know that it showed up in the Supergirl thing, which I thought was cool. Yeah. So it's been, it, Black Mercy has gotten around for a minute and the Just League has fought it a couple of different times, but this one is like a full planet of it. And both, I think it's one of them, I can't remember which one it says, says it, but one of them says the thing they fought before was really small. This, this, it must have been a sampling because this is, this is crazy because there's this giant tree in front of them. And at that point, they tell the Flash, don't touch anything. John, go help the Flash. And so John flies up, and what does he find? He finds a Barry Allen, now also merged with the tree, and like what looks like his organs on the outside. What it, what it really is is just gross tree pieces, but it's it's, yeah, kind of, it's, it's like pretty gross. It's like a vine piece, yeah. like more like an ivy. It's like weird. Like kind right, of- and like a full-on bark piece of the tree coming out of his mouth, and... These, the three black lotus, or three or four black lotus blooms on his chest with a spike sticking out of them. Kind of reminds me of Starro, actually, but except it's like a gigantic vine instead. Right, I mean, similar concept, that's true. Yeah. yeah. And so, of course, they attack John, and then we hear the voiceover tell him that I've been in you since you landed here. I've been in you since before you touched the planet. The whole planet is me. And, uh, of course, then we see Wonder Woman trying to fight also and cutting things down and eventually gets overtaken as well. Um, we don't see a gross version of her or John, but it implies that they're both taken over. And then, of course, they come after Batman and Superman. And, uh, we see Superman and Clark starts using his heat vision to blast away tendrils. Um, and then we realize all of a sudden he's inside the tendrils, and the scene he's seeing is a young boy with him, um, with blonde hair. He's wearing, like, the crazy eradicator glasses, and it's basically showing him a world that, that was Krypton that never went away. And then we see the next scene is Clark tied up and being controlled by the, uh, not controlled, being subdued by the plants. 
And then we see Bruce fall into a hole that wasn't there before. And uh, once he hits the bottom and wakes up, he looks up and what does he see above him? Yeah, it's uh, it's Ma Wayne with a bloody spot in the middle of her chest and scratch marks over her face. And we're in the alley and it's uh, it's a bloody mess. And it uh, tells him, this is the only way you're going to stop. And like the whole time that the thing's talking to him, it's constantly trying to convince Batman he needs to quit being Batman. Can you ever retire? Are you ever going to be able to retire? Can you ever stop? Did anything you ever do was any good? When you died, did anything get better? All your people just die around you. So like the whole book, this voice in his head has been trying to convince him to quit being Batman is what's happening. It's crazy. Because Batman never loses, so he's the one that they need to focus on the most, maybe? I mean that that makes sense, oh, or maybe he he encountered it first. I don't I don't know how. I, I as far as a thing like the last issue, yeah, they were in, they were on another planet dealing with a different kind of problem. So like, unless they encounter the spores in space or that story, I imagine the next part at fifty two probably irons part of that out. I'm hoping. Um, but yeah, as a thing, I mean, yeah, Batman's the brain you want to break because if you can break his brain, then everyone else is just screwed. Uh. Anyway, art-wise, the art's great. I mean, all the horror elements of it look scary. I mean, the Flash looks terrible, my God. Um, all the action sequences, the flashback sequences, they look real cool. Um, so art's great. As far as, like, a score, I mean, I'd give it a four. It was a pretty entertaining issue, and Justice League-centric, I mean, it is heavy Batman. Of course, I'm a slave to Batman, so... I don't, you know, me personally, like, as much as I know that you love Batman, I, I don't think it's that... I mean, it is to an extent, but it's not. It's not heavy Batman because it's like, oh, we get pieces for everyone. Yeah, yeah. It's I. I don't think it's so heavy Batman that it distracts me because I, I didn't think that. You know, I I did think at first that it was like, obviously, it was talking. At the end of it, it's talking to Batman, right? But I think that maybe he has the strong. Well, I would disagree, but for whoever's writing this, like, uh, Batman two in this situation might have the strongest mind. I feel like Clark has the strongest mind personally because his like his Kryptonian mind is always, but he might have been away from the Yellow Sun for a bit, so he's not maybe not his strongest. Well, he's grounded different than Batman is. Yeah, but, but his mind, I feel like is like there's been some there's been some story. Well, back in Grant Morrison's day when he when he first started writing JLA, like they did like the Red Mar there were the White Martians, right? And everybody else got kind of mind control, subdued yeah. and taken. Same like, Batman. Actually, we talked about that last episode too. Huh. We've talked about that those issues a lot because, like, like, I feel like to me that was like the first time they made Batman like unbeatable. He, he could just, it showed how unbeatable he can be because his mind works so much more. Like that right. is his superpowers, his mind. Which, right. And so, like, I think the only person that really compares with him is Superman. Because I mean, and that, that's why they're the world's finest. But like, sure. yeah, we did talk about that last week. Yeah, I give it a four as well. It's really good. I'm, I'm actually kind of curious to see where this goes. Like, I, I like the story. I like, I like the villain because it's a villain. It's not, it's not normal. I'm curious villain. to see how they're going to beat it. Like, me personally, like, I always get frustrated with the Green Lantern aspect of things because I feel like the Green Lantern should be protected from things like this. Like, the ring should protect the touching of the vine. So the fact that John gets touched by it and is that, that, that weirds me out. You know, I think that, like, the Green Lanterns are traveling through the galaxy, and it's just like, come on, man. Galaxies, and like they can't be protected by it. Yeah. I kind of wonder if the truth of that is, though, that as soon as they set foot on the planet or flood into the atmosphere, if the whole planet is infected by this plant, it's quite possible the air is, too. 
And when John's flying around, but, but John's protected, not, by, John's protected by, the, by space. Like the Green Lantern ring protects you from when like, you're in space flying. But, yes, but the I know it's but, a matter of having the shield up. And when he's drawn, but the scenes, ring, he the ring should always detect out foreign oh, objects. I agree. That's, that's what I'm true. saying. It's just yeah. like like whether like when it, when you fly into a new planet, when you fly into space, when you fly anywhere. It's regulating everything touching your body because it's keeping you alive. Because, right. like, like, you know, an Earth Green Lantern isn't going to be good on another planet necessarily, like, without. Well, so, right like, kind of planet, so it's yeah. protecting you. So if there's a spore, you think it would the ring it. should protect you from that. So that's always my weird thing with. That's sure. my weird one. And I know that John's not the strongest of all the Green Lanterns necessarily from Earth. But he is very strong. Well, it doesn't change that their rings are supposed to protect him. From the rings should. So that's been weird. So, but, I mean, I might just be. I, we haven't read the next several issues, so we right. don't know how this is going to end. But maybe that that'll play a part. Maybe that's a good. That's a good possibility. And we don't. Like I said, we don't see an image of him subdued. We see Clark last around his neck being pulled into the plants, and we see Wally. Or sorry, Barry. Gosh, Barry completely enveloped in plant. So and again, Wonder Woman also being subdued by the plants. So it's not. It's hard to say. Maybe the next issue, there's nothing that happens to John. But I, yeah, I see what you're saying. Even the Speed Force, I don't know. I, that's a little different, I guess. The Speed Force is a little bit different. Like, but with the with the Green Lantern ring, I think that's the one thing to me that sure. protects. So but yeah, I hear what you're saying. I mean, Speed Force, that's a different thing altogether. Because when the dude's just walking around, he's just a dude. When he's running in the Speed Force, a little different, and like his suit's designed to compete with friction, but as a thing, like when he's trying to pull that, reaching for the person inside the uh, crazy tree, he's just a dude. So, as as a thing, I, w- I would give you the John Stewart part is a little weird. That, that that was my weirdness about it. I, I guess that's writing. You know what I mean? It's just kind of like. I mean, not to get super deterred, but like sometimes Wolverine can like lose an arm and he goes his arm back, and it's like oh healing factor, but like supposedly his healing factor has limits. But there was like the I don't remember what the books were, but it was the first time Humberto Ramos was doing X Men, and like basically Wolverine got burnt to nothingness except down his skeleton, but there was some DNA left in his bone marrow, and then right. his entire body grew back. And in the old day, like remember when like Magneto like. Pulling an him out of him. Yeah, you know what I mean. So it's just like, and he almost didn't live. So it's just like, uh, like his limits are different depending on the artist and the writer. So sure, yeah. Again with Green Lantern, but to me, I feel like that's the one thing that makes the Green Lantern core so powerful and so successful is that like the ring is supposed to protect him from foreign anything. Right. So, so that's my thing. Anyway. But other than that, like that's why it only gets a four, not a five. Because it was, it's a good book. I love the Justice League. I love DC. I like to see like really awesome. Like I like to see the Justice League go against things that are very dangerous. Like you know, you can't be like, oh, the Justice League versus, uh, you know, whatever. You know, <laughs> some want just one basic villain. It's just got, it's got to be like a massive thing because that's sure. what, that's the point. That's of, the whole point of the Justice League. Yeah. yeah, to fight the big problems, the big big problems. But yeah, as a thing, it, I like this villain simply because it's not your normal. Just like Starro, it's not a normal villain. Makes it way more dangerous, I think, than a dude you could punch out, maybe. Yeah. All right. Green Lantern used to be vulnerable to yellow. They took that away. Sure. Because they took the parallax of the power battery. So, like, it's just, like, it, I mean, it's not perfect. You know, when it runs out of when it runs out of juice, it runs out of juice. Well, sure, yeah. Once, once, once it drains all the way down, you're pretty well just stuck. 
Which we talked about, was it? Oh, gosh, two, two episodes ago? Yeah. The Green Lantern, uh, the Green Lantern special edition. Which is, like, really cool, because, like, you know, Sinestro, I mean, that was cool, Sinestro was just kind of like... Oh, yeah, manipulating that dude is pretty crazy. Yeah. That was, that was a good one. It was neat, it was, but anyway. To move on to our uh, second book. So, Usagi Ojimbo, his uh, free comic book day 2020. Si, senor. You know, one, one of the things that I've, like, this goes back to, um, I've read Usagi for a long time, a little, like, preface, but the first, I think, I'd, I'd have a periodic issue here and there when I could catch it, because, like, comic book stores were kind of few and far between where I come from, and then, like, his books specifically, too, are, weren't ones that were carried. It wasn't, he wasn't super popular for a long time. He's still not super popular, but, like, you know, um, one of the first things I had was a, as a book, like, a graphic novel, I think it was... Can't think of the volume. It's right next to you somewhere. I don't know where, but it's of it was called Seasons, and it's like uh, one of my favorite things. And so, anyway, I love the way Stan Sakai draws seasons, and this one starts off in the fall. And Usagi talks about I love this time of year. The autumn colors are glorious, and the cool thing about the new Usagi series by IDW is in color. Right. So like it 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 makes the dynamics of his. He used to have to do it in black and white for so many years, and he still was able to convey that. And so now that it's in color, it's even cooler. Right. And so, and even this being a, a free comic book day thing, it's really cool. So it starts out with him walking, and then like he accidentally passes by a sign. He's like just uh, uh, admiring the, the fall colors, and like you see a sign that says "Beware of the Tengu." And he's just walking along, and all of a sudden he sees some uh, some uh, husband and wife, and they're just like walking along, and they're he, he overhears them talking. We're, we're finally over the worst part of the mountains, husband, and he's like, "That's weird. I'm coming down the other side." And uh, he's like, "Yes, because we're safe because we left that offering for the Tengu." And, and like Usagi's like, "Oh crap! I didn't leave the Tengu anything. I didn't know anything about that." And he's like, "I hope he overlooks me." And later on, as he keeps walking, he's like, if there's something ominous about this part of the trail, and then I start to hear laughing, and then he sees the Tengu, which, if you didn't know, the Tengu is like kind of a mischievous, like kind of like uh demon thing, like a, it's a mischievous demon, basically, that like if you pay a tribute, it leaves you alone. If he doesn't, it like it either kills you or just really like makes your life miserable. It tries so, to take something from yeah, you. Yeah, it's, it's a Japanese thing. Yeah. So... Anyway, he, he's like, "Hey, Mister Tango, I'm sorry, man. I didn't, you know, I'm I'm obviously paraphrasing. He's like, I I didn't see your sign. I'm really really sorry. I'm just a poor, poor traveler. I'm a poor traveler. Like, and he's like, give me your swords then. And he's like, that's one thing I can't part with. And so he starts to find this this Tango, and the Tango's obviously messing with him. And uh, he is going and going and going. He's like, man, he's like, this guy's very skilled. I can't believe it. And like, the Tango's a great hero. He's like. And like the guy's just laughing, the Tengu's just laughing. Finally, he's just like, he's like, enough playing with me, Tengu. You're not without skill. I know this. And he's like, I am, but I am a Tengu. And he like, all of a sudden, uh, Usagi falls, and like he's just in another realm. And he's like, what the heck? It's like well, all he hits his head when he falls. So like, it's hard to say if it's a yeah. Like, but he doesn't yeah. know. So he just like wakes up and he's like, where am I? And it's just like all beautiful and like pastel and fancy colors. And he's just like, he like hears somebody talk to him, and it's just like, he's like. You're all right. You look horrible. And it's just like, Usagi's still on, on defense. He's like, ah, shape-shifting Tengu. You're transforming the most hideous thing I've ever seen. But it's a, um, what are they called? A chibi version. A of... chibi version of Usagi. Yes. And it, it's basically him. And, uh, he, so he starts fighting a chibi version of himself. And this, this chibi's fighting back. And he's, and like real Usagi's like, stay away, little demon. 
And so it was tack, um, you know, like, and he just, they're just going back and forth. And finally, this guy, this, this chibi Usagi's just like, enough of this. And he kind of <laughs> hits him in the stump, like does this crazy flip and hits him in the stomach and, uh, knocks him over. And he thinks he's dead. And he's like, wait a minute. He's like, I'm fine. He's like, well, what is it? and like little guy's like, why would I do that? He's like, well, it's just a wooden sword. He's like, well, I don't want to get anybody really hurt. He's like, who are you? And he's like, then all of a sudden somebody behind is like, Chibi Usagi, what's going on? And he's like, he's like, oh, hey, Chibi Tomo, which we didn't know. Tomo is like, like one of his, his kind of Usagi's girlfriend. So, yeah, know, kind like, of. Like his girlfriend character, yeah. And it's like, and they're talking, they're like, 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 oh, what's going on? He's like, I came to get your help because, uh, Chibi Jays take, took all the persimmons that I was picking. And they're like, we'll see about that. And so they run off. And then like, Big Usagi, like, is with them, and so he's like Jay's, like the the demon guy that like has p- plagued Usagi during the Grass Cutter Saga and stuff like that. And uh, Big Usagi's there. He's like, I'm gonna stop you. And this guy, the Chibi Jay's, is like, Oh yeah, and runs off and is like, Yeah, we can eat all the persimmons we want, and we can feast for a little while. And well, yeah, whenever they he's got all of them in their big barrel running away with him, he's like, Who's gonna stop me? And then both the Usagi's like, We will. And he's like, sees regular Yusagi, and he's like, he becomes afraid of him because he thinks he looks terrible. Same thing that Yusagi thought about little Yusagi, and what little Yusagi thought about regular Yusagi. They're the most horrible things they'd ever seen. So they basically scare the demon off with normal Yusagi. It's hilarious. Pretty, I mean, it's cute for the sake of being... I mean, they're, they're cute things. That's what I mean. Chibis are cute. Well, they're they're cute realm, you know. Like, yeah. and, you know, Jay is a demon. And right. He's terrible in the regular saga universe, but in this one, it's like kind. But anyway, they're like, oh, like here, here, big uh, Usagi-san. Like, here's a persimmon for a reward. And he's like, I feel dizzy, and then he like passes out. He doesn't even pass out. He just gets all kind of there's like little spirals around him, all of a sudden, pop, he's gone. And like the chibis are like, where'd he go? Like, oh, he was a nice guy. Like, yeah, too bad he looked weird. <laughs> right. <laughs> Which is so funny. It's like, But, like, it's just the, the way that happens. And then he wakes up in the, you know, the Tegu, Tengu is still there. And he's run at him, and he does a flip, and... He does the same flip that the little Yosaki did on him. Exactly. The same weird flip, and then... And he goes, yeah, and flash, and the thing's gone. He's like, that's weird. And he, so he, he sheathes the swords, and, uh... He's like, oh, I got to be on guard. He he'll probably come back for me later, but who knows? Then all of a sudden, he like, he's like, what's what's in my sleeve? And he pulls out a persimmon. So then he walks up to the little shrine for the Tengu, and he just sets it there. He's like, deity of the mountains, I apologize for my earlier offense, and I hope you will accept this offering. And he walks away. And which is which, a lot of Usagi stories end that way. They're kind of just like they're just paying tribute to a uh, you know a, a traditional Japanese like um, folklore, which sure. is really neat. Like, in, I mean, Stan is like super super in the know of super knowledgeable about those things. So like that was a really cool story. And like the chibi thing is like, I didn't say it at the beginning, but it was Stan and uh, his wife, Julie Sakai did the chibi parts, which was really, really cool. So they did that. They kind of did a thing together. So right. yeah, it's definitely a neat, like mix of the two styles. And it's pretty funny how they play off each other with the whole, you look hideous. Cause they both say it. it's super funny. But yeah, it's it's cute. Like score wise, I mean, I, I mean, I easily give it a four and a half. It's a fun little read. It doesn't change the world, but like you said, the whole style for them is for that. Right. That's what they are. So yeah, I was I, I, I just a big fan of Usagi in general, and the, fa- I, the fact that it was a full story for Free Comic Book Day, I think it's really really neat. I get a I get a four and a half 
You know, like I, 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 it's hard for me to get fives, but I'm super biased to Furusagi because I think this, I stand is an amazing writer and artist, and I just love everything that he does. And I thought this was really neat and cute and awesome. It was a good way to like bring in like young readers and old readers because like the adultness to it's there. Like if you know anything about Japanese folklore, there's a lot of like really seriousness there. Like Tengu's are crazy demon things, and it's just like, but then like the chibi thing is little kids things. Like you know, it goes both ways, and it just he has this way of just like making everybody. A fan. And I just, I mean, if people are really, really into, like, just really just took a chance on him, I think that he would be insanely popular. I just, it, I think he just kind of goes. He falls in a weird. Under the radar, place. you know? Yeah. Like, so. We'll see if that changes after the animation happens, which it's in a weird place too, so I guess we'll see what that is when it happens. But Netflix is going to be getting a show that is flavored Yusagi. Um, it's, it's, yeah, but it's, but, but it's, it was supposed to be. It's in the space and in future, so it's like a, a predecessor, or like a, what do you call that? When it's a great, 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 whatever. What do you call that? Ancestor? Vax versa. Yeah, Yusagi's but, uh, but uh, future ancestor. But I don't know if they're going to be going, doing a lot of like, um. Fable stuff? Just like, like a backstory, like, throwback stuff. I don't know. I'm not sure how they're going to do it. You know right. what I mean? It's, I'm going to be, I'm curious to see how they do it. Cause I, I can't imagine him just going completely off the, off the rails. Yeah. I don't know. It, the idea that it's in space is weird, but the, yeah, the way I understand it, it's supposed to be like the descendants. That's the word I want a descendant of Yusagi, who's also named Yusagi. So I guess we'll see. I don't know. I mean, it's cool. Something's happening. I, we'll just have to see what it winds up being. Anyway, <laughs> All right, so move on to uh next book. This is uh, Broken Gargoyles. This is from another like independent company. The IDW is the one that did the Usagi Ojumbo. All right, if, you, if we didn't say that, because I don't remember if we did or not. Uh, this one, Broken Gargoyles, this is by uh, Source Point Press. This is the first book I've seen by them, really. I don't know if they've done other stuff in the past or not, but this is the first book I'm aware of from them. Uh, this issue is written by uh, Bob Sally, and the art is by uh, Stan Yak. It's got a really cool look to it. Like I like the cover a lot. I know you weren't the biggest fan of the cover. No, okay. But I like it a lot. I don't. I don't dislike the cover. My problem with the cover is that the, I feel like the cover is slightly generic compared to the insides. The insides have that 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 art feel that I. It's warm and inviting, and it flows. And it's just like the cover. I feel like that they, you know, like I don't know they they. They tried to get like an, a really somebody to make it this big grand thing, and it it, it almost makes it look a, a video game cover to me. Like that's, I, I, it's not necessarily bad. It just I had a different idea of the comic from the cover. Sure, and it's like don't judge a book by its cover, but like I I did do that, and I judged it a different way. And then I when I read the in, the insights, I was like, oh wow, this is a this book flows way differently, and it's really neat. So like I feel like that like it could have the cover could have been done differently. You sure. know. But I, I mean that's it. It's not. I mean not bad or it's just different, right? I think it just didn't flow with the the, the book. Like who? I mean whoever did the art for the cover maybe didn't read the book first. Does that make sense? Like they kind of just like they asked somebody to do it for them. They're like, this is kind of our premise, and they're like, okay, I'll do something for that. It's just kind of like maybe they didn't have the feel for it yet. I'd say it looks a lot like it would fit with in, like any image book. Any I don't know. It, it I think it looks really cool. But uh, it, it is a different tone than in the interior for the story. Um, as far as the uh, the book, we open up and the year is 1925. And we are supposed to be in New York City. And so we see these high-rises that are kind of grandiose. But then we also have like this classic old-school church in the middle of town. And uh, the book itself is set in a time frame that's like 
the past, but not regular past. It's like a, it, it's it's an alternate alternate reality history. of World War Two, right? Like for sure, it's like it's that old school. But there's also like the, even the technology is different because like right. different peoples. Yeah, yeah, it, it's a different it's a different take on history with with a mix of. I don't know, sort of cyberpunk stuff a little bit. Maybe not cyberpunk. I don't, I don't know what you mean. Future tech. Anyway, um, so we, we, we start, we have a guy talking to himself in a church and he's reciting this prayer and we see this cool shot of the inside of the cathedral with a bunch of like stained glass windows and he's in there, he takes, takes a shot and he puts, lights a, lights a candle and he's basically saying your prayer and, uh, as he's doing all this and all of a sudden there we see a woman into the church with a little kid. And uh, she comes up to him and she's like, we'll make sure you finish the bottle. He's like, this bottle is an old bottle. And we get to the point pretty quick, this is his wife, and she's there chasing him down because he's supposed to be out doing other things. But we find out that when he was, when he was saying the prayer, it, it turns out he was in the war, and he's basically saying a prayer for the other soldiers that were lost in the war. So he's, where he lands in the world, he's come back from wartime, he survived, but now he's stuck where there's no job for him, and he... Keeps telling her he's going to go to the docks, but every day he winds up the church instead. And uh, she tells him she's going to be leaving with her son to, to go stay with her sister for a little while. And uh, he needs to get things together. And so he talks to the son for a minute and tells the son, yeah, we're getting that new player from, from the other team. We're going to go watch some baseball. I'm going to go get a job and we'll get this all straightened out. And she's like, seriously, baseball games? This kid can take care of the bills in the house. And uh, she leaves. And then we jump from there to somewhere in Arizona. And we've got a uh, fellow on horseback and another, like, guard type, both standing gunpoint over a batch of dudes working on a, digging a, uh, digging a trench. And right. it's a bunch of people working on the, on the uh, chain gang. So a bunch of prisoners are all shackled together. In Arizona. The- digging a ditch, yeah. Or digging a big, I, I assume it's a ditch, because they're just digging holes is what they're doing. And, uh... In the process of doing that, they're like, are they going bring us any water? The, the guys are talking to each other, and it's like, nobody's bringing us anything. It's better to be outside, though, than be inside a sale. And you see the uh, the the guard yells at them to keep working, that they're not digging fast enough, and get to it. And then all of a sudden, we start hearing this rumble, and they're all like, what's that? And they all kind of stop and look up, and we see this, uh, on the upper side of where they're digging this uh, trench, we see these semi-trucks driving that are uh, all very Mad Maxi. And, like, the front one, we see one of the cool things, we see the front wheel is, like, a giant roller ball. So, uh, not, like, regular wheels, but, like, a still rolling ball. And it's got, like, a crazy visor on the front of it, sort of like a football helmet. But it's all, like, it's all Mad Max, like, go-through-the-wasteland-style tech. And, uh, it, it drives back and makes a big rumbling, and all the guys inside the, uh, Inside the trench gets shucking all up by it, and the, the guy on the horse, the guard, gets messed up by it too, and off they go. And they're like, oh man, did you see what that was? Like, what was that? They're like, whatever it was, carrying a lot of armor. And we fast forward past that to the uh, same trucks, and they're coming up to a billboard. And the billboard's got Uncle Sam on it with his thumb up, um, and it says, support third term. So clearly this, it, we're dealing with election issues that are getting ready to happen, and it's uh funny because like third term and that's not something that happens. We allow two terms. So anyway, it's it's fine. Well, on the other side of the billboard, we wind up seeing there's a broken down car, and this broken down car is right in the middle of the road, so it stops the uh, it stops the, the transports. 
And he gets out, and he's like, oh, we're going to have to move this thing out of the road. And he comes up to the guy who's working on the engine, and uh, all of a sudden we see a rocket get fired through Uncle Sam's face, the billboard, into one of the other trucks and blows it just to hell. And then the dude working on the truck turns around, grabs the guy who came up to him by his collar, and he tells him, uh, he, and he, the dude starts screaming, don't kill me, don't kill me. And we pull back and we see this dude who's got basically a gas mask for a face and this crazy cool, like, wartime trench coat and all this, like, steampunk-looking armor on his chest. He's like, don't worry, I'm not here for your life, son. But when they ask you who did this, you tell them that, um, he gives his, uh, their, their, whatever the, uh, call platoon sign was, like 717 or something. Uh, yeah, the infantry, like, whatever, 771? I think that's what it was, yeah. I can find it here in a second, but he basically tells him, I'm not here for you, I'm just here for your stuff. Walk away from this stuff and I'll let you live. Well, of course, one of the other guys on the transport draws a bead on him with a, uh, with a sniper gun and then shoots him and you see the, the, the bullet bounce off his head and it rocks him backwards and that gives him enough time to all get away. Um, well, they thought get away. Uh, cause then it turns out one of the trucks was left behind. That particular truck is this crazy cool motorcycle with his machine gun on the front of it. And, uh, our man with the gas mask has two other fellows walk up next to him. He's like, they're not gonna get away so easily. It's too bad you guys can't ride. And, uh, he basically jumps on the back of the, of the motorcycle and takes off after the one truck that got away. Well, while this is all going on, they're basically racing right back to where the trench is being dug. And, uh, as he catches up to the truck, he winds up shooting out one of the tires. And, like, this particular truck had normal tires, unlike the lead truck that got rocketed with the giant rollerball. And he blows out the back tire, and so that forces the truck to stop. And so he gets off his bike, and he's walking up to the back of the truck. He tells these guys again, just leave the truck. I don't want your lives, I just want the truck. Well, the, so of course the guy driving the truck starts shooting at him, and he takes cover, and while this is all going on, we've, we've found that a rifle is wound, into, wound up landing from one of the other guards in the middle of the chain gang. So where they've stopped, where the truck's been blown, the tire's been blown out, is right back at the chain gang. So we have all these guys in prison uniforms chained together, trying to get away from these bullets that are flying all over the place, because the dude from the truck is totally shooting at our, our gas-masked trench coat dude. And in the process of all that, one of the, one of the uh, inmates picks up a rifle from the ground. He's like, he looks at the other guy, the other inmate, and says, "Hey, look, look at this thing," because he he picks it up because it's just there. And the other uh, the other inmate tells him, "No, put it down, put it down now." And uh, about that time, we wind up seeing him get shot in the chest, and he he gets taken out. Well, he's taken out by the prison guard. The prison guard and the horse shoots him dead. And the granted, the prison guard's solid. Dude, that's an inmate with a gun, so, I mean, it makes sense, I guess. We cut from there back to the, uh, back to the firefight, and our guy from the truck's got the drop, along with the prison warden, on the, our gas masked Avenger. And, uh, while they're talking, he, he tells him that, I'm sorry, but I didn't come here to give up, and you won't be taking me alive. And we see him twist his wrists, and these two little small pistols come shooting out into his hand, and he takes out the dude from the transport, and he shoots at the, uh, he shoots at the guard, but he misses. He hits his hat and knocks it off. And uh, he dives for the other gun, apparently because these are only like pea shooters with one shot, I guess. And the uh, guy with the, on the horse draws down on him. About that time, we wind up seeing the gun butt from the rifle smack him in the face and take him off the truck, or take him off the back of the horse. So the other inmate, the one that was chained to the dude who got shot, 
picked up the gun and knocked out the warden or the prison guard. Uh, yeah, marshal or whatever. Whatever he's supposed to be. Yeah. And, uh, he's like, hey, uh, so, uh, I saved you. You want to save me? And he points to the chains and he's like, I'll take you to the next town, drop you off. So you can ride with us to the next town. And he's like, uh, you want to help with these chains? And he hands him a crazy knife, like a Bowie knife. And he tells him, it'll cut through the bone. And he points at the dead guy that he's chained to still. He's like, ah, you can't desecrate a man's body like that. He's like, well, you got until I have this truck ready to drive. If you want to be on it, be on it. And he basically just walks off to do whatever he's going to do. We cut from there back to the city. And we rejoin our uh, our praying man in the church. And we see the other side of his face. And the other side of his face is like half metal. He's got a blacked out eye. Kind of like a Phantom of the Opera looking mask. But Very. it's obviously like... It's part uh, of his face though. Well, yeah, it's it's obviously... They talk. They show at the beginning too. They do, and the, the son actually says something about one of the kids then, making then fun of him, not having an eye and everything. Yeah. But it's like it's like it's a way. That's what that was talking about with the weird kind of forward technologies. Like they had a way of like bandaging and fixing people's like the fact that he probably got his eye shot out in the war, but like they had a way of fixing it in this current this version this this version of the time of the time. Yeah. Well, he tells the boy that you can see just fine. Tell, tell your friend I can see just fine with my good eye. So, like, that was that was in the original conversation with the sun right. before the sun left. Anyway, we see him looking at the city, and there's a batch of people wandering around in the, I don't know, the city area. And he sees a sign on the wall, and it's like an old poster sign, and it says, After the welcome home, a job, and it's got an exclamation point, and it's like, The U.S. government loves you. And he takes his bottle, what's left of it, and he throws it at the sign, and you see it explode with a little bit of liquor all over it. And he's like, yeah, f- fat chance of that. And he starts walking into town to join where all these other people are. And in the process, we wind up seeing a group of people wandering around hanging up signs, like a couple girls. And they're talking to a couple of the soldiers, you know, normal-looking soldiers. They're like, oh, yeah, we're going to be doing a parade, and we need some of you guys to ride on our float. And if the parade gets enough notice, the, when the president comes by, he'll stop and take a look at the parade and take a look at our town, and it'll be great. And while this is going on, like, our, our guy is standing next to a radio, and he hears the, a broadcast about the robbery. And if anybody knows anything about who did this robbery out out in the desert of Arizona, to bring your information and turn it into the authorities and you'll get a paycheck. So it's like a whole, I don't know, Crime Stoppers kind of thing. And uh, he sees the girl hang up the sign, see him, and see his face, and she's clearly disturbed by it. He's like, yeah, that's the thanks we get for everything we did for these people. And we see him walk off into the crowd. So we cut from there, and now we're back in the desert, and here we are with our convict and the two other guys that were with the, uh, our, uh, steam, our steampunk, well, I don't know, I don't even know what you're, crazy steam face dude with a jacket, and they're all out there standing together. The only one's not there is the steam guy. Like, the criminals there are the convict, and the other two guys, and the other two guys are asking him, like, what, what were you in jail for murdering somebody? He's like, not all men in prison are actually criminals. And then you see him pick up a rock and he sort of throws it off into the distance. He's like, it's something about moving things that always makes you feel real good about yourself. And you see the other two guys like pick up rocks too, which that part I thought was a little weird, but I'm, you know, whatever. Um, it's good to know you stuff. Anyway, we, we cut directly from there to a circus carnival. And so we've got like a robot, uh, barker that looks kind of like a chicken head thing. With a single wheel is his mode of transportation, and we see the backdrop of all the different carnival freaks. So we have a strong man, we have a fat lady, we have uh, the dough man, and he, his head looks like a wad of dough. 
And we have the cat girl. Of course, she looks like uh-huh. a cat. Yeah, looks like a cat. She looks like squirrel girl, actually. No, her face is all drawn huge on there. Once we get to her, yes, she does. Well, you know what I mean? Like, just like with the ears and like the... Right. The, the picture is very, I don't know, like think Tom and Jerry cat is what she looks like in the in the Barker poster. Anyway, we see our guy, he's staring up at these things, and he one, there's this little kid who's like, look, Mommy, one of the freaks got out. And his mom's like, oh, you don't call them that. You, I'm really sorry, sir. It, it, it's different if you take off your mask, probably. And he's, I'm sorry. And she basically leads the boy away. And uh, from there, we cut to inside the tent, and we have the cat lady, and she's getting brushed by someone. And she has tangles in her hair, and she's upset about the brushing, and, you know, cat person. And then in comes the ringleader, the person running the show, the headmaster, I guess. I don't know what you call those guys. The ringleader? There you go. And he's like, oh, I don't want her brushed. She needs to look uncapped and mangy. That way she can scare the kids. And we see the dude who's brushing her. has got this crazy, like, metal helmet that's half face, half, like, old school football helmet. He tells him, you need to get ready for the show. And he tells her to go get in the cage and so she can scare the kids. And he's like, Alan, it's about time for you, my, my number one attraction. Take that helmet off. And so we joined inside the uh, arena. And our, our headmaster is sitting in the middle of the stage, or the middle of the uh, circus. And he's telling everyone, ladies and gentlemen, get ready to feast your eyes on the greatest show, the last show they're ever going to want to see. It's about to begin now. And we see this dude with a sack on his head get led into the ring and he, he tells them, oh, the soldiers have finally arrived. This is the soldier from hell. And he pulls off the mask and underneath is a dude that's like, all of his facial features are burned off. And his face looks like a skull face. And of course he's like, oh, this is the soldier that managed to get sent to hell and escape from hell. No one wants you when you're part of the devil. And uh, he, the dude clearly, you see his, his eyes, he's not he is not enjoying being the show puppet for this guy. This is the dude that had the metal face mask on earlier, the one with the football helmet with the metal faceplate. And yeah, his face looks—I mean, it's—it's it's messed up. Just—it's actually worse than the dude from the circus, which is oh, yeah. the circus guys was pretty bad. Yeah, something happened. Like all of those guys, going back to the first guy at the very, very first page, like, like something happened to that group where they're just. They're unhappy about how they were treated and what happened to them, and it's not good. Right. Like, they're just, they're very angry at how they've been treated since they've been back and how they've been looked at. It's kind of like, um, you know, when, what, like Vietnam times. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Exactly. That's cool. That's exactly where I was going to go with that. Like, this is like how the, the Vietnam vets, when they came back, like, it wasn't their fault. They got drafted, they got forced to go there, but like, you know, they just wanted, to just, the, 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 I mean, you know, it wasn't their fault. But like in World War II, those guys came back as heroes. And this this version of the timeline is like, they're all just being kind of looked down upon. I guess, you know, it's like very, yeah, they're like kind of, and these guys are just not okay because they seem like they got the brunt, the negative brunt of the whole thing. So anyway, sorry not to like, no, but that's totally what it is. Yeah. And so, uh, a- as he's parading this dude around in front of everyone, we wind up seeing our fellow with the gas mask come walking from the Egg, from the uh, exit part of the the circus, and he starts addressing the crowd and addressing the ringleader, and he tells him, "Yeah, it, look, everyone, look what your freedom cost you. Like l- some people went to fight the war, and other people hid behind the walls. That's what this man here is to you." And he's basically talking to the ringleader about how terrible a person he is for using this man this way. And while he's 
addressing the crowd and telling them what a horrible person this, the ringleader is. We see like a shot of the cat girl looking from behind the curtains, and we see the uh, doe man and the big girl and, the, and, a, and a midget guy. So like all the freaks of the circus are watching this dude basically tell her part with his words, the ringleader. And of course the ringleader goes and runs to the big, to the strong man and pulls him up in front of him and now they're all in the center of the ring and he's got the strong man to protect him. And the strong man walks up and he puts his arm, his hand, his hand out and puts his arm on, uh, our dude's shoulder and he's like, it'd be smart if you take a seat. You gotta go back and take your seat. He's like, oh, you think I paid to come to this show? <laughs> and he chops the dude in the throat. And he <laughs> just, yeah. yeah, it's a straight like one motion. It's awesome. And the strong man goes down, grabbing his throat, choking to death. He's like, breathe, son, breathe. And he, like, pats him on the head, telling him to calm down and breathe and he'll be okay. From there, he grabs the ringmaster and he's like, wait, are you going to kill me? I don't want you to kill me. He's like, no, no, I'm going to use you to send a message. He looks at the, the, the man with the burnt face. He's like, good to see you, you old sweat. That's what he, what he calls him. And he's like, Doug, is that is that you I thought... He's like, yep, they put me back together. Wil- Wil- Wilkie? So the man with the burned off face is Wilkie. He's like, yeah, they put me back together, Wilkie. And he's like, I just don't fit anywhere in this world. And he's like, yeah, don't worry, brother, we're going to fix that. And he uh, pulls him to- to close to him, and then he turns around to the crowd and says, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, your freedom is a gift. You need to enjoy your freedom. If you can get away today, you'll remember this day forever, and you'll enjoy every day from now on better. And then he pulls this crazy-looking bomb out of his jacket, and he waves at the crowd to tell them that they're going to blow up if they don't leave. And you see them all like try to tear out of there, like panic style. And uh, as that's happening, he turns to the uh, burn guy, who's now put his own gas mask on and hat to cover his face. He's like, "That doesn't even look like a bomb." He's like, "Nope. You put a bunch of wires on something that looks dangerous enough, and people will believe anything." <laughs> and then they basically leave the. Uh, they basically leave the um, circus. Um, from there, we return back to what looks to be the docks, and uh, we, we've joined our original soldier, the one with the burnt-out eye and the skull side of his face, and he's come to the authorities. He's going to alert them that he knows he knows something about this group that's robbed the, uh, the transport in Arizona, and uh, he tells they he winds up telling them that he was part of the, uh, the 117th Infantry, and he knows who it is. And so they lead him into this room, and the guy's like, huh, you know who the man behind the mask is? He's like, well, I did. He's Commander Douglas Prescott. Before he... Before he died. Right. I was there when he died. And that's like the cliffhanger of the book is like, that's the end. This book is freaking awesome. And I'll give you my interpretation of it just now is super broken, probably. But, man, it's awesome. Like, the way all this stuff looks and, like, his... Prescott's outfit, like his gas mask, is just awesome. I like the way he talks to people, like the ringleader, and like the whole thing with the strong guy. Like the whole time, he constantly is telling people, I'm not trying to hurt you. I'm here for this. And like, they just continue to get in his way, and that gets most of them dead, which is, you know, a rough place to be. Um, <laughs> as far as like a first issue, it was really pretty entertaining, and getting these two different points of life, and like, how these different things have played out for these people. I mean, the real question is, what does Doug look like underneath the mask? I mean, it's got to be a wreck, man. So, uh, that's interesting. 
Uh, Score-wise, I mean, I give it a four. It was a pretty fun read. I think the art's great. I really like the cover. I like the costume designs. I mean, even the dude with the the half his face, who I thought was our main character, which at this point, I think it's more of an ensemble kind of cast. They all look really cool. I mean, the burn victim guy, the art's still really great. It's just disturbing because of how burnt he is. Um, but yeah, I give it a four. I think it's awesome. I would, I would want to take a other look at other books from this company because this was really good. Yeah. So back to the cover. Sure. The cover shows two of the characters in it back to back as if they're like some sort of weird duo from like some weird video game. Okay. That's, that's, it's I, our, it's our main guy from the beginning I, and then Doug. I know what it is. I, cause they're in the ward before. I read the internals. I know. But I know. again, they're in their post-war attire. So like that, that, that that's, that's what it's, it, it looks like they're two guys that are like an apocalyptic future with fire and robots and things. And it says no man's land. And you know, it's, it just doesn't have, when you read the story, it's like totally different, like feel. When I, when you, sometimes when you pick books, I'm like, why did CBS pick this? I'm not sure. You know what I mean? It's your choice. It's your it's your podcast. We've had this conversation. So like sometimes I'm like, I don't get it. And I'll read it. And I'm like, sometimes I know what's going on. Sometimes I don't. And I'm like, oh, okay. I, whatever. Interesting. But this one, like, we looked at it. And I'm like, as we were going through the books today, like, a few weeks in a row, man, like, everything's just been really, really good. You know, like, the, the writing, the art, and just kind of everything, the flow. And I was just like, man, this is, this might be one of those weird, like, maybe this is a, a video game they don't know about, or maybe like, and it's, maybe there's something to it. And then I read it, and it was like the cover did it no justice. And that's why, like, I'm not saying that I'm not saying the art on the cover is bad. After having read it, I know who the characters are, and I like the portrayals of those two characters. I do, but I just don't feel like the cover portrays what the story tells. The amount of heart that the story has. Yeah, like, yeah, I can see that. Yeah, you know I mean, okay. that's what, I guess that's. Thank yeah. you. Th- thank you. That's what I was looking for, looking to say. Like, I appreciate that. Yeah. Sure. So, but this book, man, like, oh my gosh. If the, to me, if there was a secondary cover, I'd give it a five. I love World War II. I told you a bunch of stories before we even started talking about yeah. World War II. And this flashed to that because I listened to some really cool podcasts today. I love the story. I love the, the secondary crazy, off timeline version of a World War II story of these, like, this unit that came back, like, massively damaged, and the, the main character was died, but he got put back together by, uh, probably by somebody, the U.S. government, somebody. Who knows? And, yeah. I mean, obviously they can put people back together, kind of, because this guy's face is put back together, but it, it's white. Well, yeah, that one side's all kind of robot, but not. But not. Yeah, it's weird. Yeah, so, I mean, it's just, it's, it's really neat. I mean, it's, you know, and then they bring the circus thing into it and like, you know, and I don't know, man, it just has so much cool potential. Like this book seems awesome. Oh, yeah. The first issue was great. I give it, I, you know, honestly, I don't know if there's a second cover or not. I can't remember enough in the catalogs when we ordered it to know that. And, and I don't want to take away from the cover artist who did this. Cause like I said, right. the portrayal of the two characters, like it's a good art. It's really, really good art. But to me, it felt like, I mean, and it, this is probably is what happened because like the way the time, how timelines, like timing goes when you're like, they're like, Hey, this is our book. This is what we're doing, but this is kind of the premise of the book. Can you do a cover art for it? And the guy right. was like, sure, that sounds great. And they're like, what do you think? He's like, they're like, yeah, that looks really, really good. But because they've been so involved in the book, they know the story and the characters. Sure. But you know what I mean? Yeah. So like, so like to, but to me though, somebody who's like just fresh on this, like I had no idea. Right. Like if I was at a store, just walking down the aisle, I'd look at that and be like, hmm. 
it's a, eh. You know what I mean? Yeah. That, that, I mean, that's kind of where I'm at on it. Sure. Does that make sense? Well, me and Curtis saw it in the, saw it in the uh, catalog. But did you see the interior? The, uh, no, there was no interiors. You just, just, you just, just saw the, the cover? Yeah, and then a small write-up. And uh, Curtis is like, what do you think of this book? And I read the write-up, and I said, hmm, I think you and me like this book. And he's like, ah, fine, let's get it. And I'm like, all right, cool. No, it's good. Like, no, it's great. Yeah, as a thing, I mean, Curtis is spot on a lot of the time. I mean, he doesn't love, love my love huh. for Batman, but that's fine. Huh. <laughs> it, mean, it's a little excessive. We all agree on that, but sure. but good on him because it. This is a good book. This is cool. Oh yeah, it's, it's awesome. fantastic. Like as far as any, I mean, you know, you know my love for indies. This is neat. This is, I've I've been trying to like do some research, but there's not a lot of research. Like it's kind of yeah. Like I said, I think this is the first book I've seen from them. I mean, I'm sure they have other stuff, and now I'm interested to try to find what else they do. But as a thing, like these are names that I didn't know before this book, and they're awesome. So right. So they're, yeah, um, Source Point Press is writer and former Marvel and IDW editor Andy Schmidt. It's kind of, it's kind of his, his thing. That kind of makes sense if he's already in the game somewhere. But it's cool. I mean, I I would say check it, check it out for sure. If nothing else, you can't find print copies of it because it's a small run of books or because the company's sort of unknown. Then uh, I would assume that they would probably have a digital footprint somewhere. Not that I perpetuate digital books as a normal thing, but this thing is really freaking awesome. It needs to get some more eyes on it. So it's awesome. Yeah, it's fantastic. It was it was very well done. Um, yeah. All right, we'll move on to another uh, another indie book. Another indie book, which this one's like this one's weird. And I like it. I mean, I always do a little, little preface, but this one's like, this one's by in- Image, and this one's by, uh, it's, um, uh, Kelly, uh, no, it's created by Emma Cooper at Rusty yeah. Glad, but like Emma Cooper is, which, who, daughter of which, which Cooper? Well, she's one of, the, I don't know which one she's the daughter of. Because Joe's, so Joe, Joe's the grandpa. Joe's the grandfather. So there's Andy and, oh gosh, uh, Adam? At, no, Andy. Adam, Adam, I don't Andy? remember now. Shoot. Andy is the one that does a lot of stuff for Marvel still. I, the other one I think took over the school. They both used to do stuff for DC, Marvel, they, everybody. But yeah, the father was Joe. Joe started Joe Kubert, Kubert School of Art. And uh, eventually, well, Joe passed away, I don't know, gosh, 10 years ago, maybe? Has it been that long? Mentally, I feel like it has, but I guess I don't totally remember that. Maybe not 10, maybe like 8. Because the last book he was doing art on came out during the story. Yeah, so Andy and Adam. Yeah. And then, wow. But yeah, so this is the daughter of... There's a David and a Daniel, too, I think. Yeah, there's like four of them. There's, There's only the two that really do, like, art, art stuff. Like, the other two are involved in other things. And I want to say one of them is the, one of them shepherds and runs like the business side of the school, I guess. But Andy and Adam are the only two that really got into drawing comic stuff. But this is, uh, this is the daughter of one of the two of them, uh, Emma. But as far as which one, I don't know that. Uh. Is it in that listing there? At Andy's daughter. Andy's daughter, okay. And the, obviously, granddaughter of Joe. Right. And the niece of Adam. I need to, I need to <laughs> I mean, retell you that. Yeah, right. Um, so she's like, this is her, her creation. 
And heard that uh, there's a there's a second Rusty Glad. Yeah, Rusty Glad. And best I can tell, the two of them do both the story and the art for both things, because it looks like Rusty and her both did the art on the covers and the interior. So that's pretty cool. It's like a duo book all the way through. Yeah, I mean, but it starts off with um. Oh, the name of the book is Ink Blot. Ink Blot. I we didn't get to that till just now. Ha. It's Ink Blot from Image Comics. So this book is a, it's a fantasy style book and I'm going to try and go through it without with doing it justice but also not taking away from how the awesome is cuz like the book's actually really cool um on a lot of levels but so it starts out the 12th of December marks the sixth centennial of the living castle my home created by my brother and our king Xenthus Voidbreaker as a gesture of strength to end countless wars against our people before they began. It is said that its roots go so deep that it reaches every realm, the brutal mountain lands, the depths where mere folk live, the desert lands filled with mystery, the beyond where the winds whisper and howl, the mortal realm of Mother Earth, and the void realm between realms. Such a thing is ridiculous, of course. The realms exist parallel without intersection. So this book is uh being it's being narrated by one of the sisters of a, of a group of uh, kids from their dad was the main king and right. it talks about the oldest brother basically is the main hero and he's the one that broke through this void and like their their whole goal as a family they I mean not their goal but they figured out that like by killing uh historic animals and creatures and enemies that they had gained power every single time. And then finally there was nothing left. So then they like, um, they actually, the, the, the brother, the oldest brother broke through the void and broke through into the other dimensions. dimensions, Yeah. So they set up as conquerors for everything. Yeah. So they, they all kind of broke through. Like, um, she says, our family divided to lead our people across the different worlds. My three younger sisters sought to conquer, my brother Ilavanus sought to make peace. Eledrin and Ilax, Iliax sought to discover. Vatharax disappeared. So it's kind of like, if you actually read it with a flow, it kind of has a rhyming to it, which is like, as a, like, she's a writer. Right. That, which was neat. And so, it, like, and then Enos was lost. And it also covers, like, the different realms that she spoke of earlier. Right. And then, like, which ones the different, different brothers and sisters went to? Right. And then she says, and all who remained is I. I'm the seeker, servant of science, sorceress, savant. And she's like, um, she's in the library of the living castle, forest lands, which this castle, when you see it at the very beginning, is just, it's basically a massive, it's like if a tree and a cat, like, a tree and a castle are yeah, together. It's, it's yeah. It's a lot, it's a tree, but it's a castle. It's pretty amazing looking. Um, and she's hanging out, doing her writing, and talking about um, every word, every book, every scroll has in the library is written by my hand for thousands of years. So she's obviously they're they're they're, they're ageless, right? It, to an extent, I don't. I mean, we don't. Yeah, know. As but far to an as extent, the thing, for whatever, whatever generations and generations are, they age slowly because she's not like a kid kid. But no, and at the same time, yeah. Apparently, the only reason this giant library is full of things. Is because she's written all of her brothers and sisters' adventures into the library. So all these books are about her family, and she's just the one that's been writing them. And she's like, um, at a certain point, 
you know, all of them, I'm envious of them because they discovered and blah, blah, blah. And my library grew and grew and grew and I got tired. And so she just gets ready to doze off as she's writing a scroll and a big gigantic blue thing like ink, ink spills and there's a big splash and splosh and craziness. And she wakes up and it's kind of funny. She says, sweet suckleberries. She's like, what did I do? Did I summon sort of kind of demon? Like I thought I, I, I thought I checked myself. And she's like, a cat? All of a sudden a cat appears, a black cat with big green eyes. Oh, yeah. Just like this cat. And it's just like, and it doesn't say meow. It says mow, like M-O-W. <laughs> right. Which is funny because like, mow. Like, yeah. It's not even like, meow. It's like, mow. Yeah. <laughs> so it's funny to me. And it's like, a cat from nowhere? I must have summoned it in my sleep. Like, maybe I miswrote a rune. Wait, from nowhere, the void. Why is that just working on? And she's trying to figure out what's going on. Little cat, don't leave, because you could be bad. And all of a sudden, this cat, like, it's like rolling around in a bunch of papers, being all crazy. And she grabs it, and it's like, meow. And then all of a sudden, it does its thing, and a portal opens to one of the other dimensions that she speaks of. Right. The Mountainlands, which her one of her sisters is from. Um... And she swears again, but this time the swear is fairy farts. Right. Which is hilarious. And uh, it's like, the cat runs through and it's like, get back here, little cat. And she's like, ah, my sister, this is my sister's realm. She's the Thunder Queen. She's horrible as she sounds. So it's like, it's not like we can get help from her. We need to get out of here because my sister sucks. Right. And all of a sudden there's two giants fighting. Yeah, they run basically into the middle of this battle between the two giants like actual massive giants and she's like and they're running and she grabs the cat and they're running away and they're like all of a sudden they stop like dealing with themselves and they're like oh that's the thunder queen so the and it's like no it's not and they're like well anyway let's eat her anyway right and they start chasing after her and she uses some magic that she has and that kind of like distracts them for a second and she hides and then she's yelling with the cat that like you um she's like the cat wants to try and uh, tries to escape on its own. So it's like, if you leave me here, I'll, I'll kill you. Right. Basically. And it's just like, um, then all of a sudden another passage opens and they start running together and they, they dive through and they land and they look back and the portal vanished and the cat all of a sudden just isn't there. She's back in the library. But she, the cat made it through though too. Yeah. We definitely see the cat on the but other side. But they're back in the library and it's just like, oh man, what happened? Is this is to be continued. So very interesting, very cool. I like the, I like the premise. Like I like, I like the idea of like the cat. I like the idea of the cat and it's like, it's pitch black. I like someone's ink blot because it's, I think, I think so whatever magic created it came from the ink and oh, yeah, her, the spill is what caused mixed, it. And, but also, but it also, like she speaks in, I, I mean, I didn't bring it up, but cause there's a lot of dialogue. Oh yeah. But I don't, without just reading the book straight out, it's just like, you can't really do like, it's kind of hard, but, but that's the point. I don't think our point is to just like tell people what the book is so they don't read it. So they just listen to us, but like, so they right. can read it themselves. That's but, the like, whole point. Yep. It's neat. Cause it's like it, this, this cat can, open it, it it can use its magic to open portals that usually take tons of really hard magic to do right and so and it just does it on a whim and she's like what in the heck is with this cat which is cool and this cat's obviously i assume is the name the cat's name is inkblot i'd have to go with that being the case which is super rad but like i i like it because i i have an a-hole cat as well and like i know how <laughs> ridiculous they are and they just don't care about anything and just like if he had magical powers we'd all be doomed so 
if you want to know a little bit more about Captain, watch some action figure deconstruction because he makes an appearance as, as, episodes, yeah. as more often as he should. And he doesn't care. All so, right. and we're just like, we finally had to be like, cool, you're part of this, I guess. So anyway, it was a good book, man. It's neat. And I like that it's Emma Cooper. I think that that's really cool that the family tradition is continuing and she, you know, the art and the story and the writing, everything's really, really, really good. It's like, uh, you know, it's, it, it's a little, it's a little raw. So like, I give it like a three, seven, five. Um, I'd give it a little bit more, but I'm just, I'm kind of curious where it's going. Cause like sometimes it, it's just some things are rushed, like the, the pre story. Like it's, it's a little funky, but it's really good. It is a really, really good story. And I, um, I think if, if it was a, like I say, it's a five issue arc or whatever, it, whatever it is or. Yeah. I don't know if they're in, I, I don't remember reading it being listed as a mini series, but a lot of image books start that way. But you whatever it is. Put a cap and it turns out to be five or six or whatever. Right. But whatever ends up being like, like it would get a higher rating or a lower rating depending on like where it goes. It's one of those ones that kind of is like right, my, my middle ground. Like, like I liked it. I enjoyed it, but I want to see where it goes. Yeah, man. Like I think the ink plot it is great. I mean, art wise, the book's fun. It's a awesome story. I mean, style of story for it. I easily see it turn into Netflix kind of thing. Um, score wise, yeah, I follow you. I give it three and a half. Um, I don't remember if they said anything about it being a miniseries or not, because I, I don't remember that. I, I feel like a lot of image books start that way though, like they don't actually say whether they are or not. So I guess we'll see. Uh, but yeah, I could easily see it turn into some type of Netflix thing, just with the style of things Netflix is aiming at right now. I could easily see it turned into that. Um, and yeah, the cat's awesome. Like the whole happenstance of just weird magic and pitfalls, great. I think it's yeah. I think it's awesome. So yeah, I would yeah. I'm with you, man. Uh, three three and a half for a score for it. I don't. Know, I think it's cool. I because you know, we all know we've, we've had this discussion how many times, like especially like with, on action figure deconstruction, like dummy just jumps into the frame and we just kind of just have to roll with it, man. He's just he's oh, a, yeah. He's, he's a, a jerk. captain. Ca- the captain's just a jerk. So like cats are just jerks. They just they just they are what they are, and they just they don't care. Like you can be like, hey dog, sit down. They're like. Okay, I love you. Give me a treat. I love you. Pet my head. <laughs> Catch is like, <laughs> what'd you say to me? I don't care. Right. And they just don't care. Right. Oh, yeah. I mean, 100%. It's, so. Yeah. All right. Well, you want to move from uh, from that on to the Black Widow? Black Widow. All right. Uh, so this is the series that was supposed to come out back in May, and then, of course, was delayed because the movie was delayed, and, well, now we're just finally getting the thing, so. Life's been delayed. Right. Well, that's true. Uh, this one is uh, written by uh, Kelly Thompson, and uh, the art is by uh, Alina Casagrande. And uh, as far as like, as far as art style, I mean, I, I dig it. I think it's freaking awesome. Um, yeah, when the first story first opens up, we uh, we join Nat. And she's, uh, it tells us we're in Manhattan. And she dresses in a trench coat, and she's got her sun, her, her glasses on. And you see she's talking to somebody through a communication device that's in her, the collar of her, uh, trench coat. And she tells him that, yeah, she's basically ready. And, uh, we see her drop the trench coat, and underneath it, she's full black widow gear. And, uh, she winds up knocking open this door. And inside the door, there's a hallway full of dudes. And, uh, it's all this crazy red color, like blacked out style. And we went up finding out the person she was talking to. Turns out to be Hawkeye, who we see like a couple small circle silhouettes 
of, and he's basically drawing back a bow to fire an arrow. And as she takes through the hall, she takes out all these dudes, shooting them with tranquilizers and just whooping them all. And she, is, this, is this before or after she takes her shoes off? This is no. She she. This is after she's taken her shoes off. So, so her shoes are currently off. Yes. Okay, because it's like you're just like wait. She lost her shoes when? Right. Yeah. Well, there's no like at this there's point not- in the game, she doesn't have them on. Um, but yeah, she gets them in the hallway and she uh she tells him she's ready for the door to be blown and he shoots an arrow through the hallway through where all these dudes she was just shooting through all the tranquilizers and whooping were in order to blow the door up. So it's all very like. If this was a movie, timing-wise, he would have shot the bullet, he would have shot the arrow, and she would have still been taking out dudes. Right. So, like, yeah, it's it's pretty awesome. Uh, but he, when the arrow hits, it explodes the door, and she walks into the other room. And at this point, when I was reading it, I didn't even realize she didn't have shoes on until she walked into the room. Yeah, me either. So, like... I had to go back a few pages and be like, what? Right. Like, yeah. When she, actually, when she walks into the room, she's like, so if I was something special and hidden, where would I be at? And we see, like, a safe sitting there, and she goes, oh... That's not original. And she goes over and so she hacks the safe and breaks into it, takes out this what looks like a PDA or a a phone or a hard drive, and uh, basically decides to exit the building. And she sings things to herself. Oh, I even have time to go back and get my boots. And off camera, she does. So next thing, we have her out on the ledge of the building, getting ready to escape. And she tells Hawkeye she's ready for her exit. And we see this arrow shoot into the building right next to her. Very, very close to her head, and she's like, oh, man, Clint's probably still mad at me. And uh, a lot of what's referenced in this book is something that happened before. So the previous miniseries that happened, I don't know, I think a year ago, was a story about the Winter Soldier and Hawkeye. And both of them believed that she was dead, and in the process of trying to figure out who killed her or what happened to her, were led down this chase to accomplish a mission that uh, she was leading them to accomplish. So, yeah, the whole playoff between the two of them, they do not get along. Um, they are not fans of each other at all. They're on the same side, of course, but yeah, they don't like each other. And so she mentions to herself, oh man, he's probably still mad about how I talked about him being too old for this and basically just talked crap about him in the previous book. And, uh, so once the arrow is in the in the building, she uses that to careen across the, the between the skyscrapers, and when she lands on the other side, well, who's waiting for her? Captain America, of course. And she pulls out the hard drive PDA thing and uh, gives it to him. And she's like, "Oh, hopefully, whatever was on this is really worth getting." He's like, "Oh, well, once we get it taken look at and cracked open, we'll find out for sure." And the two of them are talking. He starts asking her how she's been, what she's you know how she's been doing, and. He says something about, uh, kind of reminds me of the good old times. She's like, there wasn't any good old times. He's like, oh, but you know, I always think about him. And she's like, yep, that's why I really like you, Cap. And then she full-on Batmans him. This is awesome. Oh, yeah. Like, he looks down at the PDA for a second, and he's like, looks back up to her, and he's like, ah, I hate it when she does that. And then, like, like a little, like, wind, like, uh, dialogue bar, just like, he loves it. Right. It's like her, so funny. Her inner thought monologue bars, yeah, that it, it full on Batman's him. It's awesome. So we cut from there, and we have Nat walking outside her building. She's got a trench coat on again, and she looks up, and we we hear her say, "Oh, home again, home again." And she's like, "Oh, and somebody's in my apartment again." And she goes upstairs. So whatever she saw from the ground, it must be a light on in her apartment. It's something weird. Yeah, it's, something's at, something's out of place, and she's like, uh, like. 
I, I grasped that there was a light on. Right. Well, we see like, the side of the building, and there's a bunch of different ones. Right. It doesn't really but, say which one's hers. It just kind of seems like there's a light on, but right. which is weird, because, like, obviously, whatever she was out and about doing is, like, middle of the night. So, right. like, what if there's a light on in a apartment in the building, and they zoomed in on it? Like, I... I mean, we could be wrong, but like, assume, assume that it was like, it must be a light on, on so her. It was weird. But she gets up to her floor, and uh, we wind up seeing her go over to one of the lights in the hallway, and she takes out the light bulb and puts it in her purse. And then she goes, so she dims the light in the hallway, goes over to her door, and pulls out a little flashlight, and we see a close up that shows us there's a piece of tape on the door that's been broken. And she's talking about espionage stuff in her head, and she's like, a hair hidden with a piece of tape, easy way to tell if someone's in your apartment or not. And so then she decides that, well, she's going to have to get into her apartment. And the way to do that is to go out the window on the ledge, I guess. I mean, or not. Yeah, again, I, I, you know, we had this conversation. Like, I just wondered if maybe you, if somebody's in your home and it's a secret hideout home and you just, like, maybe have some sort of, like, gas suppression system and you push a button and then it puts everybody to sleep and then you come in there and you sure. I don't know. You know, there's just, there's other things inside, like, you know what, I'm, I'm going to climb out on this crazy ledge. This insanely high, the city high rise and sneaking through the Go in the window, window, just yeah. in case. That's yeah. the way I'm going to go. I, I'm not going to have some sort of drop thing from the ceiling or, you know, the front door, maybe. Like, well, or, if someone's waiting for the front door, is obviously the way not she's to a, go. She's a world renowned spy. People aren't going to expect the front door. You know what I mean? That's Come true. on, man. Yeah. So you go into, they're going to expect the window. <laughs> well, and that is clearly the obvious choice. And so that's what apparently. Um, so yeah, she's basically breaking into her own apartment from the window outside ledge. Which, I mean, given it, the fact that she can do it at all is pretty impressive. And, and on a high rise with no real catwalk, because there's not. I mean, it would be a surprising way to enter the room. Um, but she does, and uh, we see a flashlight basically get shined on her. And we see her say no, and then she gets start with these little darts in her neck. And from there, she falls out the window, presumably to just, like, into nothing. Like, she's full-on falling, like, nothing to catch her, nothing to stop her from falling, into what looks like death in the street. And we see her, then her monologue thing, she says this can't be it. And then from there, we cut directly to a... The future, three months later? Yeah, and it says San Francisco. We see a shot of the city, and we're... Outside of another high-rise that's being worked on, like construction style. And uh, we join these group of men that are standing around a table. Like, oh, they can't change the plans on us right now. We have to have plans to finish this problem. Like, without this information, they keep changing everything all the time. And then from there, we get a voice off camera said, oh, you want plans? Well, I got some plans for you, Joe. And he turns and in walks Natasha. And she's got a bunch of blueprints under one arm, a copy in the hand, or copy in one hand, and then a sack of food in the other hand and she tells him oh yeah well don't don't forget me to forgive me here's your plans and she walks over to the table and lays them out and starts directing the guys how they're going to do what they're supposed to be building and it's very like they call her natalie so yeah it's it, it's they call her natalie she looks like natalie and oh yeah she's, it's, it's definitely her she's mm-hmm. like just not she's just dressed like a normal person well like, she's dressed very pretty well yeah i mean yeah very fancy. Right. Well, in the process of talking to the guys, we see this, uh, like, cardboard cup holder. The same thing you get from Taco Bell when you go through the drive-thru, like like that. And it, Like a six-pack holder thing. Yeah, for, for, for cups, for drinks. And 
we see the wind blow a little bit, and it flies off the table and flies to the edge of this construction open wall building because the building's not finished, and it's about to fall off the edge. And, like, out of nowhere, she darts over there, grabs it, and catches it, like, pirouetting on the edge of this building. And all the guys are completely shocked because it's crazy. She basically ran to the edge of the building to grab the stupid cup thing from falling off. And she spins around, and she's like, oh, yeah, I guess I'm saving the world from pollution. And all the guys are, like, dumbfounded by it. It's it's crazy. You ran to the edge of this, like, skyscraper building? Are you crazy? And she treats it like it's nothing and turns around and puts, puts the thing down on the table. And she's like, okay, I'm going to go. He's like, you really need to wear a hard hat when you're up here. And she goes, oh, I'm never going to wear the ugly thing. And off she goes. So we, we fast forward a little bit. We wind up seeing her walking through the street. She gets a call on her cell phone, and she answers it, drinking her coffee. And as she's walking, she walks past this lady who's in the middle of doing a TV interview. And uh, she just strolls through talking on this on the phone. And uh, we wind up seeing that she notices this bike, like a, a high-octane kind of motorcycle, inside the showroom, which is right behind where the lady's doing her interview. And she's attracted to it, and we wind up seeing her, like, eye the bike in the in the window, and full-on stop to look at it. We cut from there to uh, the bed study of Hawkeye. So Hawkeye's busy watching TV, and he sees her walk through the shot on TV, and he full-on, like, freezes and spits out his drink, like, holy crap style. Like, full-on spits it out everywhere. And uh, he's freaking out, so he takes a picture of the of the TV with his phone... And he calls the Winter Soldier. And, of course, the Winter Soldier hangs up on him. No answer, just pick up and hang up. And so he sends him a picture of the picture of the TV. And then he calls him back. And the Winter Soldier's like, she's not on, she's not on a cover. He's like, are you sure? He goes, she would never let herself be seen that way. I just saw a picture of her. He's like, yeah, I, saw, I just sent you the picture. He's like, well, we're going to have to go figure out what the problem is. Like, we got to figure out what she's doing, make sure she's safe. And this is like, throws back to the other story again, where the two of them just do not get along, but are both very protective of Natasha. I mean, from obvious reasons, you know, Bucky and his Winter Soldier time and her and Clint and his Avenger time with her. Um, so we cut from there back to the showroom, and she's full on on the bike now, bought it with her, putting on a helmet, and takes off riding, and she talks to herself and she says, man, this feels really good, I didn't know I knew how to ride a bike. This is awesome. And off she goes, and, and it's, it's hard to see how long she drives, but we see her go across the San Francisco Bridge and up and into the hills, and it's daytime when she gets the bike, and by the end of the ride, it's nighttime now. And she pulls up to this fancy-looking house and uh, winds up parking, and there's this dude waiting there for her, like, in the doorway. Some random guy, too. Like, it's so out of the blue. Yeah, like... And he's like, I mean, he's handsome looking. I mean, obviously it's Carl, but a handsome looking, like, kind of sure. hip guy. Very fancy house. Right. And she pulls up and she's like, oh, um, dinner's going to be ruined because, well, um, high speeds on a bike in the air, so everything's going to be cold. I ruined dinner. He's like, oh, I guess I'm going to have to punish you. And she's like, oh, if you think you can. And then she, like, jumps into his arms and, like, basically starts kissing him. So it's a really weird setting, considering where we saw her last. And then you turn the page, and we get to the final reveal, and there's all these TV monitors everywhere, basically watching her. And we pull out to see who it is watching her, and it's freaking Arcade. 
old school X Men villain arcade. It's super, but not like cheesy anymore, like crazy, oh, no, bushy, ginger, yeah. like he just awesome, a, like kind of hip, like. He doesn't have the carrot on hair at all. Yeah. No, but like awesome and it's arcade, which we, I think we talked about him a few weeks ago on the podcast and I can't remember when we did, but like he came up some in, in conversation and it's just really random that he just showed back up and it's like, I mean, I'd have to do some research. Like I was, I, I didn't have time to do research because out of the blue, I was like, Oh, okay. That's arcade. That's okay. And I didn't, need, I, I didn't have time to go back and look and to make possibly him and like Black Widow's history if there is one no idea. i don't know but which is really neat is just like he's a insanely cool villain because like he doesn't do things for any reason except for he likes to see the hero suffer oh yeah it's like, for his own entertainment he's kind of mixed between like he obviously has money because he, he creates these elaborate situations you know, like, he does, the, like, these tricks and puzzles and things. So it's just, like, Lex Luthor mixed with Riddler mixed with Joker mixed with, like, I, there's just so many. I mean, they're all, obviously, those are all DC villains, like, not Marvel villains. But, like, it just, you know, a lot of times Marvel villains have a little bit more of, um, there are some crazy weird ones. I get it. But a lot of times they all kind of have a reason for what they're doing. And he doesn't. Yeah, most of the time it's just for chaos. And there's a lot of chaotic villains in DC, and I feel like he fits more in the DC realm, and he's not. So, like, he's kind of weird in Marvel, and especially then you throw him in the Black Widow situation, I'm like, huh, okay. That's a weird one, yeah. It's cool, man. It's really neat. Well, I think if, after, like, thinking about that, I thought, man, why isn't Jesse Eisenberg playing this dude? Because his Lex Luthor is clearly really arcade. Right, yeah. Yeah. Especially at the end of Justice League, I was just like, that's, you know, like, maybe that was a conversation we were talking about. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, Snyder Cut is coming out soon, but, like, we just, we've, you know, like, I see him being arcade, because, you know, Lex Luthor is supposed to be so much more dominant. Right. You know, and, like, arcade is a little, I mean, he's still very dangerous, but, like, he took on the X-Men, the X-Men are crazy they're like right. they're wild cards like it's like you put wolverine and nightcrawler and phoenix and cyclops and like these storm like those are some pretty powerful characters very 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 powerful yeah. but he, he puts them in situations where like what the heck right crazy death traps yeah it's generally who he set against is a much more different power set than the black widow would be right and she, he's like and he wants to kill her he, he's not a fan of her oh, at yeah. all when he sits back he's like ah and something happened to her to where she's like you would think her russian programming would take over but it doesn't no yeah whatever so she's like hypnotized or brainwashed or something yeah. and it's just like whatever her her, her russian brainwashing training is already instilled in it. That's why she's so fantastic. But, like, there's... Why isn't that taking over and competing? And it's, like, very confusing. Which, obviously, I'm sure they're going to get into in the book. And if that's why I only give it a four. Sure. Well, it's crazy, because, like, the last thing he says is, like, can we finally kill this lady? Right. Can we finally kill her? Because he's, he's like, this is boring. Yeah. It's always boring. Can we find a killer? And that's like his last line of the book. And it's the, crazy. The art is fantastic. Oh yeah. The cover's fantastic. And I'm gonna go off on the cover just for a second. 
Well, this particular cover, there's multiple covers. There are multiple. So, like, but this, one specifically this, is this particular Scott one was a J. Scott Campbell cover. But the the regular, I think I want to say the normal cover is Adam Hughes, which is also Which is also cover. fantastic. He's, yeah. But Adam Hughes also does internals. Oh, that's true. He does, he does art inside books. Still. So, my thing with Adam Hughes is, good on you. Because J. Scott Campbell, I love you. I love your art. I've always have. I love everything you do. I think you're fantastic. But here's my problem. Do something more than covers, man. Because at this point, I feel like you're just... You live in Colorado. We live in Colorado. Like, if you if you want to come on this podcast, if you want to Zoom on this podcast, if you want to, like, defend yourself, we are more than willing to have you on here. And I'm not talking trash, because I think you're an incredible artist. But I want... Like, I understand you got to pay the bills to an extent. But here's the deal, man. Do some internals. Do some do some content. Do some rad things like you used to do in the old days. Because you're, you're capable of that. You're, you're awesome enough to do those things, Jay. Come on, man. You're a Colorado guy. I know that. I, I, I follow you on Instagram. I know. I see what you do. I see that what you're capable of doing. I saw that all those years for all the things that you've done. Do some internals. Do Get back to some content-based stuff, not just covers, man. Because right now, I feel like you're just cashing checks. And it's disappointing to see somebody that I always respected and put on a high level as an artist just be like, just cashing those checks. Right. And just putting, just putting exclusive that you do for yourself on your own, on your own website and just, and just cashing in, man. You know, it's really neat. It's cool. You do good things, but you know what? At a certain point, I'm getting tired of it. It's getting annoying. I'd rather, I'd, I, at this point in my life, I'm, I'm going to buy a different cover because I'm just like, that's annoying. Sure. Well, he's, I mean, like, like I said, I've talked about him multiple times. As a person, he's kind of a jerk, but. As an artist, he's a fantastic well, artist, and you know, and I, and I don't want, I don't ever want to say these things on a podcast and like not let allow somebody to defend themselves because, sure. like, you know, like when we post this episode, I'm going to tag him in because I want, like, I want him to, not that he'll listen to it, but if he no. does listen to this, this episode, like, hey man, come on, draw something, else. like you're really good, yeah. you're 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 a very gifted human being. Come on, challenge yourself, get back out there, bro. Just like Joe Mad, come on, man, challenge yourself. <laughs> Humberto Ramos is one of the most gifted artists in the industry, and you know what he does internals on a regular basis. And every time the guy draws a book, I don't care who he's drawing, I buy it. You know why? Because I love his art. Yeah, he's great. If yeah. he does, if he just does the cover, though, I ask you. You know this? I'm asking. Does he do the internals? Like, nah, it's just just the cover on that one. I'm like, ah, I. I, if, I'm not a cover chaser, man. I want to see. I want to see. And when I read the entire book, like I'm there for the story. I'm, sure. I'm there for the amazingness of a story, and like the artist and the writer contribute that thing together. And if I go into it and I'm just following, I will chase a writer for sure, but I won't chase an artist. And so, like, if you're just doing a cover, mm, not into it. And just like there's some people out there who have incredible talents. And there's people who have incredible talents to do internals. Ed McGinnis is one. That sure. dude is amazing. Oh, yeah. And his internals are incredible. And anything that guy does, I'm going to support it because he's super rad. Good on him. But like when you're just doing covers, it's disappointing because you're letting yourself down. You're letting me down. You're letting every, every you know, I don't, whatever. Cool. Cool on you that you make a lot of money, but like, you can still do what you're doing, dude, and still do an internal to something every once in a while. Like, I just think it's laziness. Maybe, maybe. I don't, it's hard to say. So, hey, Jay, if you want to defend yourself, get a hold of us at top5comicspodcast.com. There's contact information on that. Sure. And you can email the top5podcast at Hotmail if you want to email. Yeah, there's a way to get in contact with us, and we will definitely put you on this 
any shape or form you want to, even if it's just a quote. You want to send us a little text and say, hey, guys, don't talk trash to me because blah, blah, blah. <laughs> Whatever you want to do, we'll, we'll take care of it. But anyway, I like this book. It was good. Yeah. Um, Score-wise, yeah, I, I mean, I give it a four also, man. It's awesome. It was, it, art's cool. The stories, it's interesting. And I like how it references the other story before. And even if you didn't read the other story, it's not like it's something you would have had to read. I mean, she mentions enough in there that, oh, yeah, it's because of stuff I said to him, it's stuff I did. Right. So, like, her offsetting Hawkeye and just the reference points back to it is pretty cool. So, I, I like that. Um, and the art, yeah, the art's great. Yeah, like I said, four. The score is four. It's, it's great. And I will say this, too. Like, you did an amazing job this week. And I'm gonna, I'm gonna add, I'm adding a segment, and I know that you oh, like man. thought that maybe I forgot, but like I'm gonna add a segment, and so maybe you can insert some cool, or cool music you make, like <laughs> CBS's picks, pew pew, and then you kick high five. <laughs> but here's the thing, CBS's picks this week, last week too, like you pick some really, really good books. Sometimes you pick books, and I'm like, eh, I'm not a big fan, and I, I hate giving books bad ratings, but like if the book's not good, I'm not, I'm just, I'm, I'm, sure. a, I'm a blunt person. But I will say this, um, yeah, CBS's picks. I give you a five out of five this week. That's <laughs> silly. It's not silly. Uh, like you picked five really, really good books. It sounds like a slippery slope. No, man, because like you know, like a four out of five is really, really good. Like you know that. Like I don't give Pfizer out of it. Like every book this week, I really, really enjoyed. Sure. So thank you for that. I appreciate it. Like, and it's really, you know, I've I've, I've been really enjoying uh, us getting these out more often and. uh just getting back into things and really like just sitting down and getting a chance to read the books and like really delve into them before we talk about them. Sometimes I'm like on the fly, kind of like reading them as you read them, so I can kind of read them. At, like, oh yeah, life gets crazy, but like, yeah, man, like, like I hope this new segment, like, CBS is pissed. Man, bad weeks happen. It's gonna be real sad. CBS is pissed. So it can't be a thing. It can't be a thing. It can be. No. Yeah, man. Crazy. But it can be. CBS is pissed. Anyway, um. Yeah, man, it was a good week. These are good books, all of them. Like, especially the indies this week were awesome. I mean, Justice League was fantastic. Black Widow was fantastic. You know, your your big guns were really, really good. But the indies, the indies really stepped it up this week and did some really good stuff. So sure. I, was, I was pretty stoked oh, yeah. on it. Yeah, all, through, all 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 the books this week were really good. Um, all right. Uh, so what'd you learn this week, Josh? I learned that we may have a brand new segment. <laughs> this <is> not <laughs> called CBS's picks. Oh my god, like that. We'll see. We'll see. I learned it. Yeah. What What did I learn this week? Um, not to have the MP3 sex section set to a WAV file. file. Yeah, that's definitely true. <laughs> Man, equipment problems and equipment problems yeah. suck so bad. But it's good though. Man. No, we're doing this because we enjoy it. So sure. It? Sure. There's a real life thing to learn. There might have, there might have been better. some cool content in there that you guys missed, but I think that the second time around we did it even better. So Sure. I'm going to go with that. So silly. Um, all right. Um, so what do you think that you learned? I mean, I learned about the infantry, tank infantry from uh, World War II, which I don't remember their number now. From before any of this, and it has nothing to do with this podcast, but it was a real thing that I learned about. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. When I was talking about that earlier? Yeah. Oh, yeah that's pretty cool, huh? Right, so... I'll tell you all sorts of stories. Yeah, I learned about that, but I don't remember the number of their tank group or their infantry group. So it doesn't really help anybody at all. 171. Anything makes no sense to anybody whatsoever. Well, because we were talking about the World War II book, and so that's right. why. I mean, it sort of connects, 
but in a very broken way. So it makes no sense to people what I said just now. But that's all right. Just um, to slightly connect it, I was telling you about the Sofa King podcast, which is like my favorite thing in the world that I listen to. That like I never really talked about it on this much, but I've brought it up on the Never Been Known podcast before, and it's like you know, it's it's a uh, it's just a it's a different podcast. It's a story based. Like they like they pick a topic and go through it, but they're they're awesome. Like they had a really cool episode this week about uh, world, uh, all black um, tank battalion from all World African War II American. Tank Battalion. Yes. And it, and it was an amazing episode. Like this, the story, the story of those guys was super rad. They like how they, they were responsible for like, um, basically killing, not killing, uh, uh, yeah, killing Nazis. Well, lots of basically, um, not necessarily killing, but, uh, disabling a hundred or killing pretty much taking out of commission 130,000 Nazis. And there was only like probably 9,000 people in this battalion. They're pretty incredible, and General Patton handpicked him himself, and he's like, "I want these guys in my in my group." Which is, if you anyone knows, General Patton is insanely awesome. So, anyway, it was just like I was telling you, I was going off on that. So, yeah, real history, real world nonsense, cool stuff. So, books, you got any books to watch, Josh? Yeah, um, I'm curious. I asked you about it, but but I still am kind of curious about it. I know it's one of the like the teen. The young reader ones, but like it looks neat. I like the art in it. Like, there's a new Beast Boy like graphic novel coming out. Right, it's not out yet, but it looks the art looks really really cool. And like, I mean, I don't know how if they write that much different for like the young reader thing or whatever. But I'm curious to at least flip through it and see because the art looks awesome. Right. So, yeah, it does look cool art wise. It looks yeah, it looks interesting. Um, still obviously really really into Usagi. Always like the. The new IDW, when they switched over, and it's all full color. It's fantastic. And I did see some rumor today. I wanted to throw wait to the end for this. I know I could have done it in the news, but I heard they're going to be maybe reprinting some older stuff in color. Well, they do. They have a line of color books that they're doing the first six issues, and they've already we're already halfway through them. But yeah, they. Uh, but they're I get for you saw for Isagi. Well, c- combining them in uh, graphic novels though. Oh, as color as colored forms. Yeah, yeah. Because the old graphic novels are the small um, little little books, right? But they're going to do them in like full graphic no- novel size as and full color form. Like IDW is going to color them. Right. That's that's the that's the talk. I don't know how many they're going to do. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know maybe how many the success of these are. six that you're talking about. Well, they did. They're doing the, the as individual issues. They've been doing what they call the classic colors, and uh, those ones. I want to say they're only doing six of them that way. I'm sure they'll collect that into a volume. But yeah, it, it made it sound like they might be doing more of the other other issues in color as well. So I guess we'll see. Yeah, I mean, we'll see. I don't know enough yet to know how many of those they're doing, but there is a current uh, batch that they were doing. The f- I want to say it's the first six. It's either six or seven that they're doing their classic colors of the first issues. Okay. Just in regular regular issue form, uh, which, yeah, and that's getting collected into a volume for sure. And then finally, I'm always a big fan of, like, and I'm not sure, I'm a little bit behind, but the Grant Morrison Green Lantern stuff is... Sure. I know they're in uh, season two in quotation marks right, right now, but, like, it's all been really cool, so... Big fan of his crazy, wacky, like sci-fi, like Green Lantern and him are, are a really cool fit. For some reason, it just fits. It's really neat, and like the art style that he pick, is picking, like his artists that he's working with are really rad too. It's just weird fifty sci-fi style, but I've I've enjoyed everything he's done so far. You know, like the the little like interlude that they did with the Black Stars it was cool. Like I don't know, just awesome stuff. So sure. I've been enjoying that for sure. So, All right. 
Um, well, as far as like books, of course, I'm, I'm Batman Death Metal has been fantastic. Uh, we're getting ready to have a one shot come out, uh, that's a Warzone book connected to the Joker War. Has nothing to do with the first thing I said at all, so, sorry if that was confusing. Yeah, so the, uh, Warzone Joker War one shot, I say watch for that. And watch for metal, cause it's great. Um, uh, and another one, I don't know if I mentioned this one in the, I know I mentioned it last week, but I don't know how far along I was at the, that point. Um, so Crossover is getting ready to come out from Image. If I didn't mention it last week or I did, so this might be a repeat. At the same time, it doesn't matter. It's freaking great. I don't think you did. Um, I'm actually going to read it now, because uh, they sent uh, me a preview for it. So, uh, yeah, so I got to read Crossover Issue 1, uh, written by Donna Cates, the arts by Jeff Shaw, and it's freaking great. Nice. Uh, it's, it's awesome. Uh, it's an Image book, uh, miniseries. I want to say it comes out, gosh, I think November, maybe? But yeah, it's... Who the characters with? Freaking awesome. It not... Well, the the setup for the book, what it basically is about is that we have a event happen in Colorado, and all the characters from your favorite comic books show up in the real world, and that turns into crazy battle. And uh, so the government decides to put a bubble above ceiling in Colorado. As a whole. Sounds so, awesome. As far as uh, characters, our main character is a girl um, that, well, God, I guess there's like, there's there's three main characters, I guess. Um, but the story is, I mean, she's the one we basically follow in the first issue. Um, and LL uh, is her name, or Ellie. And yeah, she uh, she works at a comic store. And because the world is having crazy fallout, um, it's back to the times of hating comic book fans and comic book people because now they're in the real world and tearing everything up. But yeah, the first issue is freaking great. It's awesome. So yeah, when you say main characters, it's everybody, I guess. <laughs> yeah, okay. it's freaking awesome. Right. Uh, yeah, it's great. So yeah, I say watch for that thing. So um, they did move a book. Bunch of movie dates back. We did we talk about in the news just a little bit, but we did. the Snake Eyes did get moved back, which is like 2021 now, I guess. Yeah, tw- like I think it's like September 21st, 2021. Right. Which is, but like that means like a lot of the G.I. Joe's like figures that were coming out and uh, comics are coming out. A lot of that might change too because I was all centered around the film. Right. So, um, if you're a G.I. Joe fan, I like to throw it out there because I love G.I. Joe so much. So I just got to give them some love, but, um, that's going to be different for sure. So if it's anything movie-based, be aware of that. Right. Um, but yeah, it's, uh, books, that's all I get. That's all I got right now. So, but yeah, it was it was awesome. I super, super enjoyed it. Nice. I'm into it. I can't wait to read it. Yeah. Um, socials? Uh, yeah. Uh, so you can find all of our information and stuff on, at the top5comicspodcast.com website. Uh, there's links for this show, links for... Um, action figure deconstruction, uh, our buddies, uh, hot sauce review shows, go billionaires, um, never been done podcast, uh, Ant-Man 2020 or 20, 2050 gaming, which he's been a little slow about getting this stuff out and he might be shifting focus, but we'll see. Um, anyway, if you like video game playthroughs, he's got a lot of stuff on there for Mortal Kombat and a whole lot of other games. Um, but yeah, there's links to all that stuff there. Uh, if you want to see my drawings, you can look on Instagram at Top Five Comics Podcast CBS for Instagram. I'm at Wendell Twenty Four, it's W I N D L E Twenty Four on Instagram. It links to everything. Um, I'm also at Josh Forty Five or Josh Philly Roberts on Facebook. It's basically the same thing. Um, 
Also, he brought up a little bit, but action figure deconstruction is CBS and Mai's love child that we have going on. It's a YouTube show that we um, unbox and deconstruct action figures. So um, we have several new ones. We last few weeks been a little crazy, but we do have several new figures that we're going to get probably get several episodes done this this week. So yeah, we'll um, see. There's at least there's at least twenty episodes you can watch on YouTube right now. So if you haven't watched those, yeah, get have, over there and do it. Like, cool, follow, the coolest subscribe. new one is the Gremlin um, um, Sandy, Sandy Comic Con, Comic Con, yep. which is really cool. So if you haven't, if you like Gremlins, check that one out. It's really fun. For sure. But, uh, we have some new ones coming. Uh, some Amazon.com exclusives, which is crazy that they have exclusive action figures now, and then possibly some other stuff. So. Um, Bunch of random stuff. Like, there's a lot of cool things coming and going with the, with this weird times and all that kind of stuff. Like, we gotta stick together, independent stuff. So, like, we just do this because we love it. And so, if you're listening, we thank you so much. Follow it, like it, share it with your friends. If you like it, that means your friends probably like it. So, share it with your friends. And um, if you're interested in anything that we do, just hit us up, message us on some sort of platform. There's there's multiple ways to connect to us. Just like sure. CBS and me can contact and communicate with everybody. Um, um, we try to. There's no promises there, people. No, but we do really good about it, I feel like. so. Sure. Um, <laughs> there's nobody we've forgotten yet. Um, and on top of that, man. That's, that's basically it. Yeah. Is that the key? No. I'm not gonna Come on, man. But also, I mean, before we end... I'll, I will, I'll say it for one time. <laughs> for, because, again, if you guys want to check out, um, like Chadwick's, like, kind of like, special episode we're going to do on Never Been Done podcast, it's going to come up for a couple of days after this one comes out. So, um, just because we, we love the actor is just an amazing oh, man. Chadwick Boseman? Yeah. Sure. Yeah. Just, just because he's a great man and what he, what he stood for and what he's all about and, like, the, the, the character he played and all, everything, like, we're going to do a real deep dive in his filmography, and that's kind of like what Never Been Done does. So it's like we're going to give him a really cool tribute. I'm going to record that tomorrow, which will come out a couple of days after this one. So please check it out if you're into it. It's going to be it's been good. It's going to be a good one. Like Tyler and me have been doing some cool research, so cool. Um, it'll be fun. So check Should that be a cool out. Podcast, yeah. And uh, I will say it tonight just because of that. So Tiki, Tiki, the first time. This is probably the only time that Tiki, Tiki.